Greetings, streamers, creators, and listeners of fine and sometimes muddied sonic landscapes. This is the Sight Unseen podcast featuring Matt Kistler, Jordan Wigley, and last and most certainly least, myself, Jeff Kalisis. Uh, welcome to the Soft Reboot, this uh, podcast that we started back around 2015, 2016. It's been a while, and we, we apologize for the delay, but figured now is as good a time as any. For our first episode back in the saddle, we will be talking about famous record label from California, Asian Man Records, and digging into our top five favorite releases of a labeled varied history. Um, forewarning, this is a long one, <laughs> you know, and hopefully you'll be able to forgive us for this. It's been a while since we've dug into this, so it, it, it's well over two hours at this point. So I, maybe, I don't know, you can kick back, grind some XP in like a Final Fantasy game or a nice uh, Western RPG, or uh, maybe maybe you're in the middle of working and crunching Excel spreadsheets, and this will give you something to listen to in the background that hopefully will be entertaining for you. Uh, but w- without further ado, we will dig into the episode uh, beginning now, and thank you for joining us. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, welcome. Um, jumping in, I, you know, I had no idea that it started quite as late as it did. For some reason, I always thought that Pete started it like in the early 90s, like 91 for Asian Man, but apparently that was more Dill huh. that started around that era. So like Dill apparently started in 89, and then Asian Man started in 1996. Oh, wow. I so guess, it, yeah, I would have I would have assumed like 93 or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. too, because like, I mean, that's when Skank and Pickle was more active and everything, and so... Um, I don't know. I, I guess there's a bit of background on it. Like it, it was, it was kind of also interesting that like, I, I didn't know that Dill kind of like the, the precursor to Asian man records was more of like kind of a thing where it's almost like a, a group collective with skank and pickle, the members of skank and pickle. And, uh, effectively it came down to some kind of weird system where the rest of the band kind of glided on. Well, I wouldn't say glided on the coattails. That sounds, that sounds disingenuous to them. I'm sure many of them tried, but it seems like a lot of the, the lion's share of the work fell on Mike Park's shoulders when it came to running it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it eventually got to the breaking point, like around a little before 96, where he's like, you know what? Like, I I think the band was kind of breaking up too, I think for the first time. And okay. Uh, believe it or not, they actually went on without him for a little bit, apparently. And like, that's also something I found was interesting because I, I thought Mike was always a part of Skank and Pickle. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. under the impression that he was just in that band the whole time. <laughs> exactly. Same with me. <laughs> He was always like the, the primary voice in it and everything. But no, he actually apparently left right around before he formed Asian Man Records. And um, he did that, formed the label. They kept Deal apparently running for until 1998. But like, I don't know what releases they really put out beyond that. Like besides like Mento Buru, which was this really weird band that sounded like a Scott Klezmer band. Like Tantra Monsters, which was like a Hawaiian ska band. And then like, I think they put out what was the other one? They had like another really, really bizarre record that my friend Pete had. My, my friend Pete was like a major Dill ska fan at the time. And so he, he's, he's actually coincidentally how I, I got into Asian man records, um, <laughs> which is also weird. Um, <laughs> so he, he bought a, he bought a copy of the reissued of a, the slapstick CD. Like, cause I think, which was originally on Dill, the look it. Yeah. And, um, he actually bought it from a, a certain guy that plays in a really popular Victory Records band named Adam Lazera. Oh, who, I apparently that guy. <laughs> yeah, you may have heard him or not. I don't know. He's kind of kind of a big deal around these parts, or at least he used to be. I don't know. I'm sure there's still people that that ride or die for him. But um, 
you, so apparently, he, have you stood in a Taking Back Sunday crowd at Riot Fest? It, it, it's very it pretty, large it every single year because no they kidding, play really. that every single year. No shade, they're great. Like they are still a great live band. Uh, uh, he's gotten really weird over the years, though. Really? Yeah, I was I was at the uh, the Vans show they did in Chicago last oh, summer. Oh yeah, that's um, I went to see Roswell Kid. And so my buddy knew, knew one of the guys in the band and got me uh, uh, VIP. So I didn't have to wait in that giant line to get in because it was a free show. So it was just like first come, first serve and taking back Sunday. So Boo. it was nuts. And, uh, Sorry. And I, was I waited like, in that line a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you were there? Uh, no, not not for that show, but uh, for both um, the Julian Baker show and the Converge show, oh, I barely man. made it into Converge. And I, me and my friend Lauren waited in line for a solid 45 minutes to get into Julian Baker. And we missed we missed Max Seal. We, we did catch Y Oak, though. So that was that was cool. It, nice. it wasn't a total loss by any means. Good. God. <laughs> we did get yeah. rain on, though, and that was not the best. <laughs> You know, I've been meaning to go to like House of Bands for like ever. One of these days, I'm just gonna. Have you not been to one of those shows? I, I never I know actually. about those shows. I randomly, my roommate's boyfriend last year uh, was uh, like, is really into the scene and stuff. He runs like uh, the the emo versus pop punk night at Beauty Bar and all that stuff. And so um, he was talking about the show, and I was like wait, Roswell kids playing. I'm like, can I go? <laughs> <laughs> wait, is that, is that Justin or Brian? Brian. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> small, small world as it were in the emo versus pop punk crowd. <laughs> wait, wait, is, is that Justin the same one that used to run the, the one at Burlington? Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. He used to work at sake. I used to talk with him from time to time. Oh, nice. I didn't know he worked there. But I, I believe he, I believe it because it was him and Adam that used to run it, like kind of as like general managers or something. I think it was like yeah, kind of the morning yeah, shift and the evening shift. I feel like shift. those two things, the the emo night and uh, emo versus pop punk, like either they have merged together in my mind or they are literally like working together all the time. Yeah, they seem pretty synonymous most of the time. <laughs> like, it probably doesn't really matter because it probably is the same thing. <laughs> No, no, no shade to either of those dudes. They're very, very cool, and they both <laughs> super cool nights. Um, I wish <laughs> I had the energy to go to Beauty Bar at nine o'clock on a Sunday more often. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm like, uh, oh, is it a holiday tomorrow? Yeah, I'll go. That's that's. Yeah, what I mean. <laughs> you, know, you need a buffer in there. I'm telling you, you get over yeah. the age of like thirty, and like you can't like do like the back to backs anymore. It's, it's it's difficult. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was also how I realized that apparently everybody who was like more than a year younger than me listens to a lot of all time low when they were younger, uh, possibly also people my age. I just 100 percent missed that. And how old was was a bunch of people were singing along to this song that came out when I was listening to that type of music, like more often than I do now. I, I shouldn't say that. I still listen to a lot of like pop punk and emo adjacent stuff. But like, you know. <laughs> when that kind of thing was in its heyday. Like, just uh, completely how just, um, 32? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're at the tail end of that. I The only reason I even, like, got into All Time Low at all is because they did a whole tour with the matches. And oh, so yeah. I saw them at multiple, <laughs> uh, multiple places for that tour. And I was like, oh, this band's actually, like, fun. And they're like, 
I, they just make lots of dick jokes like Blink-182. I'm like, I could do, I could watch this. Uh, I, you know, and I, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't, it's not one of those uh, bands that I go back to, but like, you know, I don't regret the time that I spent. Fair. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we kind of got lost there. We so did. You guys, you guys we completely did. lost me in my age <laughs> bracket right I don't know how we got here, but we did. Well, <laughs> we were talking about the sing it back, but I, I believe, I believe Adam was there. Was like, it's all his fault. But anyway, Jeff, you were talking about uh, how Dill Records led into uh, Asian Man Records. Yeah, yeah. So after he kind of got fed up with uh, running it a bit, so to speak, he decided he was going to he was going to form it in 1996. He coincidentally got uh, I think the, I want to say the first two releases that came out on there were Less Than Jake's Pezcor and Slapstick's Look It. I think were the first two. Maybe if, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I, 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 I think, think I think that uh, Pezcor was like Asian Man Records 001. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like right before they they ended up signing to a major and getting like super huge and everything, which good for them. I mean, they, at the time, I mean, like they <laughs> they got the capital deal and everything and kind of turned the world on. Its they own. they really they hit it the right time for that Absolutely. kind of thing. <laughs> Very narrow, narrow window right there, and they made it. <laughs> was there every every ska band that was active during that time got a major label deal, and that's why we know about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> there was a brief window for about like a year where it was, you could, it was inescapable and stuff, and, and so that that's kind of how I I fell into all that was that I think Mr. Lazera was getting out of the ska at the time, and he decided I'm going to cash out my collection to my to to some random dude that'll buy it, and my friend Pete. I think knew his his girlfriend at the time, Charlotte Acker, who apparently tell all your friends was written about. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I I've heard it from a number of people that know him, but I mean, again, I, I haven't heard it from Adam himself, so I can't say one way or the other. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge on the plain hearsay right there. So he was good friends with her, and he uh, I think somehow like it came into contact with him, and he was selling off a bunch of CDs, and he had he had Slapstick's look at, and. Um, he bought it. I think he ended up buying the discography that came out a little while after, like the green star covered one. Yeah, yeah. The the, the one that has like 40 songs on yes. it. <laughs> Every song known to man. And it has a picture of Dan Andriano and Jinkos on the back or something. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Jinkos. The, the, tricky, tricky dicky patches on their Jinkos, too. And like, <laughs> like The true hallmark of the fantastic. early 90s. So yeah, Jinkos and soaps are like the thing that remind me of the 90s the most. <laughs> Oh man, there's there's a shoe I haven't thought about in forever. <laughs> I wouldn't give it any more thought than you have just now. <laughs> I want to bring it back though. Bring back soap. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> um, I, I think was there a tour with Less Than Jake and Slapstick on it? I have to imagine there was. Because I, I I think that that's how they actually met. It. I know that they met at. Uh, they met Mike Park at a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came up to them afterwards and like introduced himself and like, and that's, and I feel like it was because of less than Jake, like if it hadn't been for like less than Jake existing, it just wouldn't have happened just because like Mike Park, that's why Mike Park was even in like that realm. But I maybe lost on the less than Jake part of that story. Uh, no, I mean, it makes sense. They, they, they were definitely flying around the same spheres, both of those bands. And, and I, I feel like the story of about 90% of AMR bands is they met, met Mike Park at a show. Mike Park <laughs> liked their band, 
and because he's a good dude, wanted to put out their record. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't I can't verify that number being accurate, but it feels right. <laughs> I think you're, yeah. you're spot on with that. <laughs> and uh, actually, that, that was another interesting point I heard about. I, I heard that his inspiration kind of for starting the whole thing, like he kind of approached it like Discord Records in a way with a kind of no contract kind of uh, verbal agreement to go out there and release. I don't know if he makes bands release records before they put out material on his label. I don't think he does that. But he he tries to keep everything, the cost of record production and everything down so that it's affordable for more people. And yeah. um, it's easily accessible to anyone that wants to get a copy of the material that's there. He constantly presses. They're one of the few labels that actually will go out there and repress most of their material and get it back in stock. I, I can't think of too many labels that do that very often these days, especially like... So yeah, like, it's, it's, it's shocking to look at their like Discogs page and just see how many pressings there are of their more popular releases. Oh, my God. Alkaline Trio's Goddammit, for example. Holy shit. There's yeah, so many pressings of that. I mean, and there should be because, I mean, that's a record that should probably never go out of print. Probably not. No, I, I have a I have a um, an absurd amount of merchandise lying around this apartment and my parents house from when uh when they re-released for the first time on vinyl, um, God damn it, maybe I'll catch fire. Because they did like a weird deal where you like could get those records, a pint glass, a koozie, and some other stuff. Um, I definitely still have the pint glass, and it's probably one of the few novelty glasses I refuse to get rid of, (laughs) even though it is ridiculous. Um, (laughs) But just feel... uh, as a, as a, we will talk about this a little later when we get kind of into uh, our our top records from the label. But uh, as a person from McHenry County, Illinois, uh, the Alpine right Trio there. is pretty important uh, <laughs> in that general area. Every single band that I ever knew growing up covered radio or some other Alkaline Trio <laughs> song. <and something. laughs> uh. Mostly radio, though it was yeah. always, it was always radio. It's or like there'd be some guy at like a party playing his guitar, and it was always radio. And you're like, nobody's listen like nobody's listening to him play, but he thinks he's cool, and he's always playing radio. That's true. When you, when you yeah. should be playing Southern Rock, that's like the best song on that record. I'm sorry. No, you're not, not sorry. Not <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, quick diversion to my homeland, of course. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing, does this have anything to do with your introduction to Asian Man, Matt? Uh, yeah, this, largely, largely my introduction to Asian Man was um, was being into Alkaline Trio as a as a I, I'd say young person, but like it, it didn't extend back into like middle school. This was like around middle of high school that I started listening to to Alkaline Trio. And I actually got introduced to them via. Um, from here to infirmary. So that came out on vagrant, but I was luckily the type of person who was like, Oh yeah, what else have they done? (laughs) And lo and behold, uh, the first two records did come out on Asian man. Uh, and you know, any further, uh, any further Asian man records releases that I got into were very much a direct result of purchasing a CD and getting that little fold out catalog. That was just, (laughs) Um, Missed those so much stuff that I never heard of before, and yeah, I, I so I the one, 
I don't know if Asian man still does it because I haven't, I haven't bought a physical release from them in a minute. Um, but I know uh, temporary residence still sends out like a little flip folio of like, here's our current releases uh, with every record. And it's just so heartening to see that when it happens. Fully backed. Like I, I wish more labels would still do that. I understand the cost wise. It's, it's a little cost prohibitive for them, but like I'm with you. And like, there's something about having that tangible, and it's also catalog in your hands and just looking at it and seeing that care that went into curating. Yeah. And what's always fun is when you purchase a uh, secondhand uh, CD or record and somebody has left that kind of thing in there. It's so nice to get like a little snapshot of here's what this label was like in 98 or whatever. <laughs> this is the best feeling. Like I, I think I bought like that 88 fingers Louis kid dynamite split a while back. And it had like one of the old like 1998 like hopeless catalogs in there. And I was looking through, oh, like, oh damn! I remember looking through this one. I got like hopelessly devoted to you too. Like this is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just a time. You're like right. It's like a time machine. You step back and you're like, so this is how they they truly lived in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man. Uh, much like you, I also was introduced to Asian Man through uh, the Alkaline Trio. Uh, I was. A uh, little baby 13-year-old freshman in high school and uh, got uh, my heart broke by some girl. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, like, I was crushing on her and I, like, we were friends and then I talked to her about it and she did not feel the same at all. And I was like, I was sad. And my, my friend Zach was like, it's like, here, listen to this. <laughs> and, like, he put on, he put on, uh, I don't know what it was. I remember listening to Message from Kathleen, and I think that was probably the first song I heard. But he gave me like the whole CD to take home, and uh, and at first I was like, "Oh, this is kind of weird." Like I, you know, I I it was probably my like introduction to like actual like pop punk outside of like Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day. Um, but it was I don't know. It, it was just like not qu- you know it's not quite as polished as like those things that you hear on the radio and but it but i liked it and i was like i'm gonna keep looking and i i'd say within a year like all i listened to was pop punk it was, it was <laughs> that was solely my my life but uh yeah Fall, falling into musical holes like that is very very much a high school aesthetic absolutely there was there was a there was a good amount of time where had i not had friends who encouraged me to do otherwise i would have only listened to bands that sounded like my chemical romance um, <laughs> because of course <laughs> see that's another one that i don't i don't have uh my age kind of it was age prohibitive for me because i was like already like an old an old gun at that time so that's another one that i, I missed and i yeah we'll have to we'll have to dig into that another time but i'm, I'm curious to pick both of your brains on that because both of you kind of grew up in that phenomenon firsthand and lived that so it was like, it was a weird time but i do find like i i not to, i won't harp on mcr at all because that's totally for another episode but they're one of those <laughs> bands that like I have a lot of nostalgia for, and I went back and I was like, no, this is still really good. Actually, (laughs) it's it's cheesy in a lot of ways, but like in the same way that like a band like queen is cheesy, you know, (laughs) like, like, and queen is like the band that got me into music. So I will never throw actual shade at them, but they were super goofy. (laughs) I agree. No no, no, no contest here. (laughs) 
But I mean, everyone needs that. We all need our miracle whip, right? I mean, <laughs> not just not to say that Queen is miracle whip. They're great. <laughs> it's just listen. Yeah, listen I was gonna say there's a difference between miracle whip and Queen, and it's that one of them is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say don't don't compare anyone you even kind of like to miracle whip. That's a bad idea. I, I think I get what you're saying though. It's, it's uh. Anyway, uh, but not not to not to tangentialize our way away from uh, Asian man more. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it was, I, I remember like, I, and I've I've talked to some people, you know, in in more recent years about like, you know, their time with Asian man records because like it's a it's a milestone in any kid whoever's who's ever been into punk rock. Like Absolutely. finding Asian man records is like a thing to some degree or another. And like my friend, uh, my friend Jake, like is like even more into punk rock than I am, like in the, in the traditional sense. And he's, you know, he's met Mike Park in the past cause he's, you know, run in the circle longer than I have. And, you know, I, and the stories I hear from anybody who talks to Mike Park is that he is literally the nicest person in punk rock, which is not at all surprising given his, you know, his business model and just like, any story you hear about the way that the label is run, like it, it, I, if I remember correctly, and this might still be the case, like a lot of his stock is kept in his mom's garage. It still (laughs) is. Actually, it's still run out there. I I totally buy that. And that's delightful. (laughs) Mom and pop operation right there. It's very, very, very much the, uh, the same aesthetic that like doom tree records has where like all the merch is just in someone's mom's garage. Which is awesome because yeah. it's homespun and it's homegrown, and like I think that's the way that you keep it close to the original vision in a way. And I understand that there are band, the labels that expand beyond that and make it good, but there's something about that homegrown operation that's just so enchanting and cool. Like that they they are able to maintain like almost like preserve their aesthetic and mystique and keep it just <laughs> yeah right for there, every generation that passes by and digs into it. Yeah, yeah and, and, there's, and there's absolutely something to be said for like you know adjusting your business model as you get bigger. But like, it's, it's super cool to know that like, should that be the thing you want to do? Like you can just do that. Like you don't have to buy a warehouse or rent out space at a warehouse. You can just like have stuff at your parents' house or have stuff in your garage or whatever. And like, you know, just keep living that really, really punk rock lifestyle without all of the like disgusting parts. <laughs> Cut out the crust, just keep it, keep it clean. And, <laughs> yeah, keep it and it's and super cool knowing that like he has his hand in every one of those decisions, like yeah. who he brings in. It's not a group of people. It's not, you know, a board or like, you know, it's not a bunch of random people who he's like had take over he is i mean for all you know for all intents and purposes he is the uh the person making every decision there absolutely yeah it, it, which is also interesting considering how varied the catalog is in certain ways it's it's fascinating to me that you mentioned that and it kind of made me think about that like you're talking about how many different eras of this band so like just just between us like i got into them when they were like the hyper sky label like they sure. were known for that. Like it was like MU three thirty, it was slapstick, it was less than Jake, it was like, you know, all those bands. And like you guys got into them with Alkaline Trio and they're kind of more in the pop punk kind of arena and stuff. And like there might be some kid down the road that like got into them because of Joyce Manor or yeah. 
uh, any number of other bands or the Broadways or something. Well, it's not a kid anymore. They're in the Broadways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like well, my that's, age. <laughs> that's, and that, and the thing I feel that has happened is that they're a label that gets like, they're small, but people like seek to be on that label. Like Joyce Manor, like specifically, like with how popular that first record was, they probably could have gone straight to Epitaph or something like that. But they were like, oh, yeah, no, like we want to work with Mike Park. <laughs> like, <laughs> just that's, so cool. <laughs> and, and like, I don't know if that's exactly how the story went, but I can't imagine it <laughs> happening any other way. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Mike just approached them. He's like, hey, you guys rock. Like, you want to you want to put out a record or something? Entirely or possible, which yeah, is we, like it's wild because they were on 6131, which is like another just like a band. hardcore label. <laughs> That's the thing, like 6131 is is actually like another one of those labels where like they're known for a particular brand of band. But their most famous artists are not. <laughs> their most famous artists are like not. Julian Baker anymore. and like Joyce Manor, like both. Like. Yeah, that's the thing. You get you get your Julian Bakers out of there. Uh, there there are a bunch of other like much more low key acts, you know, alongside your Touche Amores and, you know, whatnot. Oh, that's right. I, I always forget I, that Touche was on there, too. Like, yeah, that's that's the thing. They're one of those labels. And like, <laughs> I think it, I think in kind of like taking a look back at the Asian Man Records catalog, for me, I was surprised to remember that some like artists released music on this label. Like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> this was one of my favorites. Like, and I didn't realize it was on AMR. Like it just, it just happens to be. Um, and like, and of course, like, you know, there's, there's also the bent of like AMR, like has released a lot of, you know, vinyl pressings of things that were released on other labels too, which is, you know, super cool in and of itself. Um, when I was compiling my list, I was definitely like considering sneaking Joyce Manor self-titled in there because they didn't repress <laughs> that. I figured that wasn't in the spirit of the game here. Would would not have faulted you. I mean, it is a fantastic record. It's, it is it is one of the few records that I would unequivocally give a ten out of ten. Just like, which is weird because like it's a nineteen-minute album with ten songs on. <laughs> Oh I mean, look at look at the first minor two, minor thread EPs and stuff. Neither of them exceeds like twelve minutes, and yeah. I, I'd say that they're both perfect documents of hardcore in their era, even to this very day. So I mean, I'm, I think brevity means nothing if it's if it's oh, good, no. it's good, and, not, and like, and I would say that that's probably one of the best pop punk records of the last twenty five years, hands down, if not the best. Like, it's definitely up there. I. I my brain would explode if I tried to think too hard about uh, what records would compete with it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but, uh, moving on to anything else, is there any honorable mentions that you guys want to toss out there before we before we dig into top fives for each of us, or or do you want to just cut straight to the meat there? Um, I mean, I would I, I would definitely like to toss out an honorable mention to uh, Joyce Manor's second album, which is the one that did come out on AMR. I I. I love some of the songs on that record. Uh, I just never got at it. It's one of those things where like, it's, it definitely wasn't a sophomore slump cause that's a myth and I hate it. Um, it just, it didn't hit me as hard as the self-titled did. I was, you know, I had a little bit of a hard time with the lead single being a cover of video killed the radio star. And like <laughs> all of this could probably be nullified by me listening to it a couple times now. Cause like, I know it's a great record. I've seen them play songs from that record live and they rule. 
Like, I bet if I revisited it now and, like, you know, gave it some thought, I probably would have found a place for it in my top five. It just, like, it didn't hit me when it came out, and, you know, I, I should have given it the time of day. But uh, the the other one is also the first uh, couple of Hard Girls records, maybe all of the Hard Girls records. Uh, definitely, definitely worthy records. Uh, that band is super tight. Uh, apologies to Ruben for not putting any Hard Girls on my list. <laughs> oh, Ruben, <laughs> oh man, there's a there's a dude I haven't thought about in forever. Holy cow! But but yeah, represent. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's probably my my honorable mention. I want to toss out there. Also, I I do want to toss out Pezcore. Uh, it is a great record. It is in my mind far from the best less than Jake record, but it is a really good one. Agreed. Hey man, I'm gonna go out on the limb and say that Violent Inside is the best Joyce Manor song in my opinion. I actually don't know that I can disagree with you on that. <laughs> that song is so goddamn good it hurts and like that's what kills me is i'm with you on that like just sorry i I had to say something like like it's like half that record is phenomenal and the other half is just like why did you put this song on here did you not have like another song to put in here like how is it that these four songs are like the best songs you've ever written and then like (laughs) yeah it's it it's again it it's it's a little hard it's a little hard to reckon with especially with like a band that is as good as joyce manor like they they are very capable musicians and they are all the, uh, you know, the, the folks who wrote, like write the songs full on, which I don't know if it's just the lead singer or if it's, you know, multiple members of the band, like doing the core songwriting, like they know how to do the thing. Um, and like that first record made that very clear. And that second record, like reinforced that, but like in a couple of places, yeah, it just fell short in ways that I didn't, you know, really love again at the time like again i don't know if revisiting it you know now would be helpful in that regard or if it would just reinforce that but yeah violent inside is is incredible and it's it's a if you ever get to see them live chances are they'll play it uh because i think they know it's one of their best songs if not their best song (laughs) I, I, the only thing I, the only way I might disagree with you on that is I think maybe I like Ashtray Petting Zoo more. You're right. Yeah, that's uh, also really good. It's oh man, or beach but, community or like. Oh but man, as far as far as like lo- holistically looking at their catalog, like Violent Inside is definitely like top three. Agreed. <laughs> no argument here. You okay. got you guys got any uh, any honorable mentions you want to throw out there before we dig in? Yeah, I. I guess for me, um, I had a really hard time making this list. I just kept changing my list because they're all so good. Um, I uh, I really like the what was it at um, Crab Rangoon. That's a really good record. Yeah, um, and I kept coming back to that one, but I did not include it. And then. Uh, that you know there's just so many good records that came out on this um how do you just you know you got to pick five so you just have to you just have to forget everything else exists i i also feel like <laughs> looking at our lists we all did go the route of okay i don't want to pick the same band twice um <laughs> so there's also that that yeah element to it yeah uh people who get to eat people is uh is when i uh I almost put on my list, but 
the more I listened to them, I hadn't listened to either one in a couple of years. And I sat down and listened to both. And I was like, Oh, it might have like my favorite, two of my favorite songs on it, but the, but knife man definitely has like, is more solid, like from front to back. Pound for pound. It, both are incredible. Yeah. Oh man. What um, about you, Jeff? <laughs> The rest of the AMR catalog, pretty much, or not understandable. <laughs> uh, a totally valid to, answer <laughs> to a couple here. I mean, like Jordan, I would say like MU three thirties. I would go with Ultra Panic, like that. That was my MU three thirty jam. Um, Pezcore, obviously, because I mean that was like another one of my gateways into ska in the nineties. Uh, EE's Ramadan. There, that was a bizarre one. It was pretty close. To making it for me it's it's definitely one of the most overlooked rock records i would say on that label but uh, definitely a real killer release um and, and this is gonna be a spoiler alert for me um alkaline trios god damn it and maybe i'll catch fire but also the my honorable mentions I, I would say god damn it was like right on the cusp but it's like i feel guilty including it on there because i'm like the weird late bloomer on that band jackass that got into him in my 30s or something <laughs> so like i feel guilty like trying to include that at this point because i, I feel like i'm still kind of I'm, I'm a new jack on that band so <laughs> i can't really jeff well, spent the first six years of our friendship making fun of me for liking uh, alkaline trio and, and, and then he and got really into the alkaline trio for, it, <laughs> for the rest of our friendship <laughs> i mean in, in fairness we we We've 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 already talked a little bit about the 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 cheese there, but it is definitely there. So I I understand making fun of people for it, but also like don't hate on Alkaline Trio. <laughs> those those two records are pretty much flawless in a lot of ways. So. But um, I think we also have to say like, without Mike Park, a lot of Chicago's music probably could have yes. gone unnoticed, like elsewhere oh, in the yeah. world. Put it, I would say he. I would argue that he put a lot of the big Chicago bands or bands that are big in the underground scene here on the map. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll probably dig into that more later when we, we talk about a few releases yeah. and how and, they're all from the same family we, tree. Yeah, and weirdly <laughs> led a lot of bands to Epitaph at some point or another. Yes. <laughs> but like, I guess there there is the whole like when you think of punk rock labels in the in the '90s and 2000s, like. Asian Man Records and, and Epitaph are kind of like the ones <laughs> in a lot of ways. Big time. They, they, those two were juggernauts in the 90s when it came to anything related to pop punk or punk rock. Or I've, got the, I've got the list here uh, if we want to just kind of go down that. Um, it's it's not in any particular order except for that I put the ones that, uh, that had uh, one or, or that had more than one of us pick it uh, at the <laughs> top. Um so if you don't mind, we could just start with God Damn It, since we've kind of spoiled that one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, w- I will start with that one, uh, because this is probably the one I have the most to say about. Uh, <laughs> Jordan, you and I both had this record on our list, uh, and Jeff, you had it in your honorable mentions. Um, like I mentioned kind of in our intros, um, I got into Alkaline Trio via uh, their first Vagrant release, uh, but, you know, obviously went back and I, I say, obviously, I realize that that's not necessarily a thing that people do. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I went back and listened to, uh, God damn it. And maybe I'll catch fire, uh, when I, when I got into the band. And I think, I think for me, I didn't 
I didn't latch onto the record that hard early on, uh, with the exception of a few songs, um, namely uh, "Cop," uh, which I was I was much less of a lefty uh, back when I was in high school for living in a white suburb reasons. Uh, but I did find that song hilarious at the time. Um, and just like would listen to it, like just on repeat a whole bunch, but like that record opens with cringe, which is like a quintessential alkaline trio song. Um, and like, just like you get lines, like even Christ himself would cringe at the sight of your scars. And you're just like, okay, I understand this band and I understand their brand and I know what they're going for. (laughs) Either I am on board already or I have totally jumped off this train. Um, But I think I think that that record as a whole just like is a really just great blend of the like kind of weird self-seriousness of of a lot of punk rock but also tongue-in-cheek self-awareness of just, like, how ridiculous you are being in the process of making, uh, you know, that kind of music. When you're, like, kind of going for the, like, sort of Misfits horror aesthetic, but also, like, kind of leaning into, like, Green Day brand pop punk, uh, and somehow, like, ending up in the middle of those two things. Uh, But also, like, there are songs on that record that, like, enjoy your day, which, like, was definitely my I'm sad about this person who doesn't like me the way I like them song, which in retrospect, boy, that, that sucks. Um, (laughs) That, that song is not, that song does not hold up uh, in a lot of ways, but at the same time, like as an encapsulation of the time where like I was super into it. And honestly, in the context of the record, it's, it's like that song in particular is, is an interesting reprieve from just like the, absolute gut punches that most of the other songs are just in terms of energy like um who's ah, i'm man i was hoping i was more prepared for naming members of the band uh was was mike no mike wasn't drumming for them at this point it was their first drummer is it glenn porter or no no um or maybe it was but maybe maybe i'll catch fire it was Thank you for saving me, Jordan. Yeah, it was Glenn. It was okay. Glenn. Wait, was Glenn. Glenn started with them? I, I don't think he started with them. I th- so Alkaline Trio cycled through a lot of drummers in their yeah. early career. Um, uh, I, I'm, I, please, somebody feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't think he was the original drummer, but he was the drummer by the time God Damn It came around. And just the drums on that record are bonkers like like jeff you and you and i when we when we were in a band together a while back uh that was like the first the first thing we did was cover um uh it was over tail right it was over tail yeah and like i i had listened to that song countless times and until i had to learn the drum part i did not realize how wild that man was going uh, so I had I got a newfound appreciation for that record in my late twenties. Uh, <laughs> I nearly blew out my arms trying to keep up with it. <laughs> hey, for the record, you did an exemplary job. I mean, it's not easy to keep up with the former eighty fingers Louis drummer. So no <laughs> kidding, no kidding. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think I, I really think that that record just um, and and you know I do love maybe I'll catch fire, but just the the collection of songs on God damn it. Just like 
has really stuck with me. And like, if they play one of those songs at a show, I just immediately lose it, uh, which is a great feeling to have when, you know, you're at Riot Fest in your early 30s and you're with all of your friends from the Northwest suburbs singing along to those songs. <laughs> but, uh, but sorry, I have, I've ranted a while about this. No, no and I think that's the point, that. you know? Um, no, I, I feel pretty similar about a lot of this. I, th- I think that a lot of the songs, like it, like you said, uh, about, uh, uh, enjoy your day. Like it does. It, I mean, I was 13 when I got into this record. So like, it's that perfect thing where you're like, you feel like you're the victim or you feel like you're, it's ridiculous looking back as a, you know, a 30 year old or, um, but at the same time, it's like at that point in your life, you don't understand anything about love or girls or relationships. For me, I had never, you know, I, that was my first even attempt to like, you know, talk to a girl that way. And, and so like, this record, not that song necessarily stuck out with me, but the record itself is like right at that perfect age for me for, you know, being a teenager and having all these feelings that I don't understand and not understanding where I, you know, where I sit in, uh, the world. And, uh, I don't know. I feel like this, this is album. If you were to try to get into this, Jeff, Jeff is the exception, but if you're trying to get (laughs) into this later in life, it could be hard if you hadn't heard it, before you got into your twenties, because I don't know. I, I mean, that's, that's just how I feel about this record. A lot of it is, is very, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I mean, it's early in their, their lives as well. And it's, uh, early in their careers and they, you know, they were probably early twenties when they wrote this. I don't know. Yeah. I have, I literally have no idea how old Matt Skiba is, so I'm not even going to try to guess. <laughs> Dude's he's like old, he's now, am, so. so he's eternally young, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I would guess that they're probably like early forties, so that that timeline makes sense. Yeah, because um, I got in this record pretty almost twenty years ago. Damn. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean they're they're early in their lives, and you can hear the changes in the songs and stuff. I think uh, from here to infirmary was a little more like what I latched onto after this, but this was definitely one of my favorite records, and it's it's what got me into punk and pop punk. It really introduced me to that world, and I, I know what you're saying when you said you know you go to these shows and you know these old songs come on and. Uh, I love when they do their three nights in Chicago or whatever. Uh, and it's impossible to get a ticket and you get to be there with everyone and everyone is singing and it's just, it, there's nothing like it. Uh, also that's a, you know, this is a sad year. None of us get to do any of those things this year, but, uh, <laughs> here's, here's hoping next year will be a little better. Yeah. Here, here is hoping indeed. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get to see a music in real life. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, <music. laughs> a little, little of music has a treat. <laughs> I think with this one, it kind of going into what you guys are talking about, like uh, getting into it more in my thirties because the fan base of it kind of when I was, because I, I lived right around the time when this was dropping and everything, and it was in high school and 
it was pretty unavoidable for me in a lot of ways. But I, I think the thing that when I finally kind of pulled my head out of my ass and really dug into it and listened to it was just, it was the kind of imperfection and like the erratic kind of nature of the music that was what drew me in. It was almost like, like a bunch of dudes that listened to a bunch of green day and jawbreaker decided that they were going to start up a band, but like, they're like, we're not quite on board with doing everything flawlessly yet or anything. And so we're just, we're just going to really belt it out and give it our all. And like so many of the songs, it's just like, it's, it's so raw in the way that like Skiba and like, you know, uh, Dan Adriano just belted out. Like I've never heard them shout louder <laughs> than on this record. It's such a, such a life affirming statement for some young twenties. And it burns so brightly that like, it's, it's, almost undeniable even for a jaded you know 30 something like me to listen to it like that still comes through loud and clear and it's it's really hard on sleeve and everything but at the same time like you're seeing that it had a a bit of a self-awareness to it where it's still like yeah this is kind of goofy still but you know what i don't care i don't care how goofy it is i'm just gonna like broadcast it to the entire universe and whatever happens happens and i think that's kind of what i like about it the the what the fuck ism of like kind of like broadcasting that kind of thing out there and just not giving a shit about what anyone thinks. He's like, I'm doing this and that's that. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally get that. I think that's what I was alluding to when I was saying that like, uh, green day and blink Two is like the only thing I had heard in this, you know, in pop punk realm before I got into high school. And, and this was very different because it was so like so much more imperfect. It was like, you know, they, they weren't necessarily on key with the way they were singing. Their <laughs> vocals are definitely different than, it, it's you know, jerky jerky in a lot of songs too. Like the way that, the t- like the way that they're written out and everything, it's definitely not your archetypical kind of pop punk in that regard. Either. And I think that's part of the charm and allure of it as well too. You're like, I don't recall too many pop punk bands in the nineties doing this kind of start, stop, go kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, maybe a ska band or something like that would start yeah, yeah. or something. But I mean, like Alkaline Trio, though, like it's probably one of the few exceptions in that era that was willing to do those kind of things. And uh, I, don't I know wonder if, if any of those guys were ever in ska bands. Maybe. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Sick. Uh, so that, yeah, that was on both Jordan and my list. Uh, Jeff, do you want to talk about one of your picks? Sure. Sure. Um, I actually, I want to start going kind of dovetailing into sky again here. Like I have to, it's a quintessential part of the catalog. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) And for me, I would, I would top skank and pickles sing along with on that list. And I know it was originally a Dill release in like 94, but it was reissued on Asian man. And I, I consider Dill like ubiquitous with like Asian man records. So like it's on my list. And I, funny fact about this one, apparently the producer was also the producer on a number of Primus records. Okay. Back in the day, Ron Riggler, I think was his name. And I, I wonder if that had to do anything with the connection with Skank and Pickle touring with Primus a number of times in the nineties. Cause they did like it, the only reason why I know this is because you had the flyers on their live record, and it's like Skank and Pickle and Primus. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. That would have been my show. I would have been all about that. It would have been fantastic. But like, um, <laughs> How does someone else arrive at this? <laughs> and so I, I was always wondering about the connection, and then I, I looked it up. I'm like, oh, maybe that's why. And so, so um, this record has probably been put out on, on – number of different labels and um it, it's it's definitely kind of erudite in certain ways and the way that they play i mean they're all proficient musicians don't get me wrong they're all great at their craft but there's a a certain level kind of going back to alkaline trio 
uh, immaturity, but like with theirs, it was a little bit more, I don't know. I think it's a little bit more forgivable in certain ways. And this one, it's, it, this, there's some cringe moments on this record, but I still love it to death though. Like in like every, every little grunt or something from like, you know, like a secondary vocalist or <laughs> a misnote or something like that is still just like, I, I don't care. It's still perfect in my eyes in that regard. And I, it just brings me back to an era in ska that I love where bands really sounded a lot different in the nineties. And I, I, hopefully I'm not going off on like some old man shouts at cloud rant here or something when I say this, but I miss the era of ska when every band didn't sound like catch 20 fucking two. And I love catch 22. Uh. <laughs> I think they're a great band, but like, God damn it. Like every band wants to sound like them or streetlight manifesto or if they're like punk in there, they want to sound like choking victim or leftover crack and everything. And like, and I love all those bands too, but like, Jesus, like I just I I long for the era when like you would listen to like you go to a ska show and you'd see three different bands doing three different kinds of styles and like you could discern every single one of them. They didn't run together. And this is one of those records that has that. It's just it's goofy, tongue in cheek, it's immature at times, but just fantastic and, and so good. <laughs> and so my, my shout out for for if there was a number on this, number five would be Skin Pickles in the long way. Yeah, it's it. It really it captures I think kind of what you're you're saying here is it really captures a particular moment in I guess ska punk history specifically like the history of the history of ska is a is a a thing of its own that is just mammoth and almost <laughs> unfathomable but um, but yeah I th- I think I I think I get what you're saying here because uh, like yeah there. There were those bands where, like, you, I, I obviously, you know, went back and listened to them when I had already, you know, heard a lot of Catch-22 ripoffs. <laughs> so, like, I definitely, it's one of those things where you go back to, like, kind of the, not not even the genesis of the genre, because, like, you know, I, I think ska punk, you know, has, it has an even longer history than, you know, the time in which it started to get really popular. I shouldn't say, I think it, it does. Um, but like, <laughs> he, like hearing, hearing the, a, a lot like, God damn it. Like there's, there's some messiness there that I do love. And like, you just like peering through that, you do hear, like, if you are the type of person who did get into like, you know, catch 22 or streetlight manifesto or, you know, any ska band that was in that particular wave of ska, like you definitely hear the influence, but you also, you hear a lot more there in a lot of ways. Um, and that's really, really cool to like, cause like, I know, I know it's hard to, to look back on the influences of the, the things that you enjoy a lot of the time, because a lot of times tropes become tropes because, of this thing that was, you know, the best part of that trope. Like, you know, you see Casablanca nowadays, it's a fine film. It's got a lot of cliches going on it, but it invented all of those. cliches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and like, I I think that's, that's true of a lot of, you know, earlier ska punk, like you go, Oh yeah, this, this does sound a lot like this thing that I'm familiar with, but like you also go, Oh, but also in a lot of ways, it's not like that. And like, that's, I think that's like for for me personally that when I dove into, you know, I, I guess honestly, a lot of the the Asian Man Records ska catalog, uh, that was a lot of what I was like hearing. I was like, oh, this band, like I can kind of see like how this band influenced the Suicide Machines or mm-hmm. I can see how this band influenced like, you know, 
Oh God, I'm trying to think of this band that opened for. Um, I think I, it was actually opening for the Suicide Machines, and they were like, sort of. Like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, not not important right was now. It, was it the Pilfers or? No, it wasn't the Pilfers. Um, okay. But like, but yeah, I, no, I think I think you get you very much get at like what makes what makes them special, like in that like yeah you kind of you hear a lot of the roughness but like much like with that alkaline trio record we were talking about that's a lot of that is what makes it special is like that that just like sheer amount of like energy and effort that went into producing the thing that you get to listen back to is is a really cool thing to have no doubt absolutely it's just fun too. It's just pure oh, fun. Yeah, like I will, I will skank in my room all day to this Same. record. Same. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, it's hard to be unhappy while you're listening to ska. Like even if the lyrics are not happy, like the music is so, like just the the tone, the upstrokes, everything about it is just like promotes me to feel happy, even when it's like. You know, about her, like, dying of cancer or whatever, or something like that. And it's oh, like, oh, the this, this song right so, so sad, but I feel good. Why is that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we have do we have any any final thoughts on this record? I Jeff, I feel like you kind of just like you nailed it one. So I've got more to say. I, I, I think if there's anything I nailed it, it was you contributing and like, you know, polishing it off at the end there. So sick. Uh, so yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next guy. Uh, Jordan, do you want to, you want to present one of your records? I do. Uh, so one of my favorite records, uh, they put out is technically a compilation record. Um, uh, but it's, uh, the Lawrence arms, uh, cocktails and dreams and uh, it's got a lot of awesome songs on it they put one original song like one new song on it um, he was talking about he's like how could we package something that was a bunch of you know songs on compilations things that you couldn't get really uh, you know in one place before and he's like but how do you get people to buy that he's like we got to put a new song on it and so that's what they they, they put one song on it but, uh, you know, I got to say, it made a lot of the songs a little more accessible to people. You know, you had to go find that Chinkies split or you had to go find, uh, you know, other random splits or EPs to find find them and and uh, f- find all these songs. And they, they redid some of them, which I appreciate. Uh, you know, no, you know, shout out to Mike Giampa. Uh Those first two Lone Times records are great, but... Uh, the quality is just not, I mean, the sound quality is just not there. And it was hard for me to get into those uh, earlier on. It just, it, they didn't appeal to me when I was going through my Asian man phase in high school. And, and uh, uh, but this felt a lot more, uh, you know, accessible. Um, that old Mexico, the, the recording of old Mexico way on, on uh, Guillampa's version uh, is, I also say that was amazing, but uh, from what I hear, that's the reason that whole record didn't sound good was oh. because he he uh, set everything up to Old Mexico Way. And then that's what he kept everything set up to when he was recording every other song for uh, 
What was that? Is that Ghost Stories or is that? Uh... No, that would have been um, a tour uh, guided tour of Chicago. Yeah, tour of Chicago, yeah. I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, go, I think Ghost Stories. It's the last one. Okay. Interesting. But, um, Interesting. Yeah, that's apparently that's why that song sounds so good on a on Ghost Stories and nothing else <laughs> does because well, awesome. all of, all of the soundboard was set to mix for Old Mexico Way. <laughs> uh, but but this if record, only there were a way to avoid that. <laughs> um, so other than, other than that uh, that song, I would say everything else on on Cocktails and Dreams is just. I mean, it's done right. Um, I know, uh, I mean, Turnstiles, uh, just so many good songs that uh, that just hit me and and have uh, stayed with me. You know, this is probably, it wasn't in high school. I liked them, but I didn't really realize I even listened to them much until I looked back at some of my compilation CDs and I'm like, oh, like, I definitely been listening to them or like they were on CDs that I was burning, but like I was never really into, uh, the Lawrence arms until I was, I don't know. I'd probably say 2010, um, somewhere around there. And then it really, I mean, since then it pretty much become one of my favorite bands. I just, uh, I know not everybody loves them, but, uh, definitely a Chicago favorite. And, uh, I, I feel like this this is a good record to get to first get introduced to them and and get into them and that was this was the first full record that I listened to of theirs I think nice yeah no it's it's definitely a good pull for the Lawrence Arms because like yeah I, I think I think as I I feel called out because uh, I am one of those people who doesn't like the Lawrence Arms as much as a lot of my uh, friends and colleagues do. I didn't want to uh, say your name, but no, it's fine. It's fine. If I'm gonna get kicked out, it's 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 just gonna happen. Um, no, no, I, I I actually I I adore the Lawrence Arms. They're a great band. I just I I feel I feel like there are a lot of folks in Chicago, especially folks that I associate myself with and am friends with, who are way more into them and that than i am and like have this like their music just resonates with them in a way that it doesn't resonate with me and i think i'm mostly jealous because i i i know i know what it feels like to have a band really hit and like it feels weird to not have that with a band that like so many people are so into um but yeah no like the lawrence arms are 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 a super fun band like you know Brennan, Chris, and uh, and um, Neil are all just like incredible musicians and songwriters in their own right. Um, and you know, it's we we are lucky to have them and as many side projects as they have. <laughs> um, especially, especially, I would I would argue Neil Hennessy, who is a treasure, um, Chicago legend, <laughs> absolute Chicago legend, uh, could be in literally any band. Uh, chooses to be in some great ones uh but yeah no i cocktails and dreams is a super like yeah if you are the type of person who is like who are these lawrence arms folks like that is a perfect place to start good primer for it and everything and i i, I to kind of dovetail off of matt's saying right there like i i too like i feel like i can get my license revoked here or something like that i i love brendan kelly to death 
But for one reason or another, I have never been in Like, Lawrence Arms material does not resonate with me in the same way that it does with every, seemingly everybody else in this area. And, like, it's not because, like, I have anything against them. I think they're a fantastic band. And for all intents and purposes, I should be head over heels for them. <laughs> I should adore everything that they do. But for whatever reason, it's never sunk in with me. And it's probably me. It's, it's a me thing. And I'll I'll be the first to admit that we but, we are uh, wrong, Jeff. That's, that's <laughs> probably, probably. it's not you. It's, <laughs> it's, it's you me. just pulled the it's not you. It's me. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's I, definitely I, me. I think it's applicable though in this case though because I I love everything that Brendan Kelly's been involved in, but like Lawrence Arms is like the one project he's done where like just for whatever reason it's never really it's never really sunk in and I. I probably just need to sit down and just lock myself in an isolation chamber and listen to it. Maybe I'll come out a better human being or maybe I'll die in there or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> one way or another, humanity will be served. And that, that's all that really matters, right? So, Jeff, you either yeah. die a Lawrence Arms fan or you live long enough to realize that you should have never lived in Chicago. <laughs> to become a villain or something. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm just going to say, uh, if you're going to lock yourself in a room with any record, I would say the greatest story ever, ever told. Um, it's a great great one to to do that with uh chris is one of my favorite songwriters and brendan is like that just a personality like you can hear it in his songs and his <laughs> voice and uh the the two you know they i mean you can hear the difference between the two songs there when they write songs but uh i feel like that's what makes this band so appealing to me is that they both write very different sounding songs but it all sounds like the same band somehow that, that, yeah, that is a, True. that is a particularly like outstanding facet of the Lawrence arms as a band is they just like there, there are, you know, there are a lot of bands out there that have, you know, two songwriters and you can tell when <laughs> one was written by one and one was written by the other and not just by who's singing. Uh, and the Lawrence arms, they, they, you can, you know, on that note, you can tell obviously when like something was written by Chris versus when it was written by Brendan, but like the 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 overall Lawrence Arms sound wouldn't be the same without either one of them at the Absolutely. helm. Absolutely, uh, and and that's I, I think that it's it's like it's two great tastes that taste great together. I think <laughs> is the uh, the situation we find ourselves with here. <laughs> It's kind of like the Fugazi theorem. It's like all of them are in, in, unique, but inherently great at what they do, and everything that they do contributes to the cohesive whole of the product. Yeah, it, it, it I don't want to say product, I mean like the band. Just, yeah, it just it works. It works really, really well. You know, in a way that like that, you know you can take for granted when you look at outstanding examples like you know Fugazi and songs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's. It's 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 Lawrence Arms self isolation time, y'all. That's that's just <laughs> yeah, I need, yeah. I need, I need <laughs> conversation. To get my suicide pill ready to go, my cyanide tooth, just in case or something. If I, oh yeah, God, if I can't handle. Oh, uh, <laughs> shout out to Jeff for uh, sticking it out multiple years when I've dragged him to the war on Christmas for at least one night. That's right, not dude. more. That's uh, always that's my birthday week every year. And so that's what I force people to come do if they want to spend time with me for my birthday. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's a good way to spend. We've, we've scared people off because of that. Our uh, we we've brought our friend Kobe one time, and he was he had never been to any concert before, and he's at the bottom lounge watching the Lawrence Arms, and he's like, 
I was like, why did we bring Kobe? Kobe's not going to like this. And our friend Aaron was like, oh, Kobe will like it. It's fine. And like, I turned around and like, they were just gone. They, <laughs> they went to they went to McDonald's. They were like he he just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, I think at a certain point, Kobe, uh, you can tell Kobe kind of had enough. And he, uh, again, that's that's not really his speed. He's more into kind of pop music and everything. And yeah, I was not surprised. I was surprised he lasted as long as he did. He he was a good sport. I mean, in fairness, it's not it's not difficult <laughs> to watch the arms. I mean, they're they're funny as hell live. I mean. Hell, if, if they just did stand-up, I'd probably go see them. Those guys are <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> In fact, I'd almost prefer that they did stand No, I'm just joking. I'm, mean. I'm not going to say that. Like, I, I, I like both. They're, they're both really good live and hilarious as hell live, too. So. Yes, absolutely. And to that point, uh, Brendan actually has he has a whole podcast where they talk for like three hours at a time about each record that he's released. And uh, it's I thought that was going to be way too long. And then I find myself... Uh, not skipping any of it. Uh, he is an incredibly entertaining guy. Like every time, everything I've listened to him on, like just like he, he's such a storyteller. He's yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just knows he knows how to keep you listening. It, like anybody else told the story that you know that you know, or as many stories as he does in in that amount of time. Like you'd be like, all right, shut up and play another song. But, <laughs> but with him, you're like, yeah, this is okay. I'll listen to this. Keep going. <laughs> nice. Well, shoot, Matt, you want to, would you like to dig into to one of yours off your list? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to break the cycle of talking about a Chicago band and then a non-Chicago band by talking about another Chicago band. Uh, so my, my next one is a, is a more recent one, uh, and it's Dowsing's OK, um, which is one of two records uh, by famed Chicago band Dowsing uh, released on Asian Man Records. Um their their most recent one also came out on the label, which is uh, that that record is also very very good. But um, I I think my my introduction to Dowsing was um, I actually saw them open for um, for Single Mothers at uh, the Abbey uh, in Chicago here, uh, which was it was a wild show uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, the lineup, if I remember correctly, was single mothers dowsing and droughts so uh and and dowsing was in the middle uh it was very Damn. it was very strange in that regard uh because at the time uh dowsing had i i think they just released um one of their first few records like back when they were a little more of a like kind of twinkly emo band situation uh you know and you know had a keys player and and whatnot um and and that incarnation of dowsing was was also incredible um i i immediately went and bought the record as soon as their uh their set was over um but then uh in i think it was 2016 when this ref- record dropped uh i was just absolutely floored by uh the direction that they took on okay um, after I think, I think the record before this was, it's only going to get worse or something along those lines. Uh, but this, this record just like kind of takes everything I like about dowsing and just like streamlined it, made it heavier. And then just like packed an extra punch on top of that, that I can't quite describe. Um, 
in particular, uh, the the song that I think I latched onto the most after a certain point was the closer Red Legs Kicking, which is just like a powerhouse closer. Um, I I just like absolutely like after already enjoying the record, like hearing that song and like that being it, I was like, OK, yeah, no, this is this is right. This is great. <laughs> um, and like I, you know. I, I feel a little weird including such a recent record on a on a top five for uh, a label that has such a storied history as Asian Man, but I think I think it's exemplary of like you know the fact that bands do like go to Asian Man when they like when they know like they have a particular thing they want to do and like they know they need somebody who will support that. Um, and I think that's super rad because like it, it was very obvious that the band was like changing direction a little bit. And I think they picked the right label to uh, to do that with. Um, but yeah, uh, that record's super rad. Uh, I remember going to the release show and it was at uh, it was at Sub T downstairs, which was <laughs> oh, man. prime, honestly, um, yeah. because that room is way too small. Um, in a lot of, that's not true. It's, it's a perfect size room. I love getting to see bands there and being like, yeah, I saw that band downstairs. It was wild. <laughs> um, but like it was back when they had the mirror up in the back of the, Oh the, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the room was packed for obvious reasons like that. That record was, you know, pretty massively really popular. Um, and yeah, it was a, I, I don't know if it was sold out, but it was definitely packed. And I did spend a good chunk of the show watching the backs of their heads through the mirror <laughs> uh, and also standing <laughs> on the tiptoes. Uh, so yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't really know that I have a lot to say beyond that aside from like the, the record artwork uh, really played into like my immediate, like, like I already liked dowsing, but like they were like, here's the record, the album art. And it's, um, it's by, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but I think it's Hanaya Bigo. Um, super cool artist. You should look up her work. Um, but, uh, it's, it's just a, like, kind of like off kilter hand making the okay sign. And I was like, all right, I'm going to check this out. And of course (laughs) I listened to the first single, which was, uh, I, I actually don't remember what they dropped first, but I was like, Oh yeah, no, this is really good. I'm pre-ordering this record right now. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, that, uh, that succinctly is that record rules. Um, and also living in Chicago rules. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my brief, brief Ted talk. <laughs> Do y'all have anything to throw in? <laughs> yeah. I, I loved this record. I actually don't know how I got into this record. I have a feeling that this was the year that I was, I think you were, uh, you're a member of the club. Yes. I think that's how I, how I got it. And it came in the mail and I put it on and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And, uh, and I I remember contacting Jeff and being like, have you listened to this? This is really good. He's like, Oh yeah, I know this. And I'm like, (laughs) dang it. I thought I had something he didn't have. (laughs) Um, what I thought was cool about, uh, so I don't understand why the last record was called Sky Coffin when all the other records are like uh, looking at them here. It's uh, it's still pretty terrible. Uh, it's just going to get worse. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I still don't care. OK. And then Sky Coffin. It's like the only one that doesn't 
like fit into this whole like in fairness, it was 20, it was like, what, 29? It was last year that record came out. And the only place they could have gone from there was like yeah. somewhere in the good realm. I feel good, yeah. <laughs> and in 2019, that was not the case. And it yeah, still I guess, isn't. <laughs> I guess okay is like a good place to end up when it's like everything is awful, everything's terrible. Like if you get to a place where you're okay, like that might be the end of that arc. So yeah, might have been what happened. I, but. I had never thought about that, but that's <laughs> yeah, a very fair point. <laughs> I think it's oddly prophetic in a way, though. It, it's almost <laughs> like they saw that the end from the beginning, and they do oh, know it was going to go down. They're like, "We're fucked." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of genius. <laughs> Cap- capping out at OK is is really the story of the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. yeah, honestly, on my tombstone, <laughs> we 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 live in like a, an age where like at least my generation uh, makes jokes about like you know makes fun of their mental health constantly because we're all in terrible mental health right now and uh you know to get to a place where you're okay that would be that's a like that's a good place to be yeah yeah that's totally fair it's what the most any of us can ask for these days (laughs) for real i mean i don't know if i can say anything else that you guys haven't said already about this this record is phenomenal and uh i lament not putting it on my honorable mentions and i'm almost like kind of regretting not having it on the top five because it is spoiler alert um a really good record and uh i i think for me i don't know if it was like it was dissolved the teaser or was it red legs kicking i'm trying to remember it was uh i think it was dissolved i think because uh, okay. i think red legs kicking was actually the second uh the second single or it was, it was either the second single or the uh, the single they put out right before the record came out. Cause I do remember it was what, it was one of those songs where I was like, Oh, this is the closer. I hate when they release the closer. before the record comes out, <laughs> And then it still hit as hard as it did when I got to the end of the record. That song is, yeah, the, the, that's, a, that's a, that's, that's a hell of a closer. Song. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and, and dissolve too, I think like got me, hit me immediately. I'm like, yeah, I need to buy this. And I think I, I walked into sake like that day and, got it right there on my way home when Sonic nice. still existed and so I was just like I think Adam's like hey have you heard of these guys I'm like I was actually just coming to buy that record here, so. <laughs> read my mind exactly <laughs> so yeah no I, I, I think it's I, I feel they have a good following in Chicago but I don't know how how broad their base is outside of the Midwest and that's kind of what I'm worried about they, they feel like a band that doesn't really get their due outside of this area that was a thing me and my friends said about our alkaline trio for a very, very long time. No kidding. Like, really? We, we literally did not know, like, cause you know, none of us had really lived that far outside of the Midwest. Uh, and we were just like, do, do people care about that? Like, are, do, are we just especially fond of this band and that's all that matters because <laughs> we're from here? Uh, or is, or are they really just that? But, and like, turns out they are that popular outside of uh outside of chicago uh that or the bubble is big enough that they were able to carry themselves to a major label for a little while and <laughs> then fall back onto being on epitaph and again now matt's keep is in blink 182 so he doesn't care about <laughs> what happens next maybe he knows. i, I i'm not records or something i'm actually not sure he's in the band anymore I've heard rumors about just released a new song without him on it. And they also did like guest appeared on another song like a month and a half ago. And he wasn't on that either. And he's not on the album artwork either of that like song. 
Like it's Which, just it's just Mark and Travis. On oh, so, sorry, I, I I misunderstood. I thought you were saying he wasn't an alkaline trio anymore. I'm oh, like, oh, oh. Not. no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't know that he's in uh, Blink One Eighty Two anymore. Interesting. That's wild. Um, I will I will look into that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some homework for all of us tonight. We're gonna we're gonna do some Instagram investigation right here. Oh boy. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Cool. Uh, Jeff, what, uh, what's your next guy? Next guy on the list, um, for me would probably be Colossal's Welcome the Problems. Uh, this was another late record for me as far as material on, um, the Asian Man Records catalog, uh, which is odd considering that the pedigree of this band, you're talking about what Eli from Smoking Popes. Yep. You got Rob from also Smoking Popes and Slapstick as well. Um, playing weird kind of warm math rock slash post hardcore. Um, I, I can see fans of like this town needs guns or TTNG or toe really being super into this kind of stuff. But it's like weird though too, cause they kind of temper it like with a, a lot of those bands kind of have like, you know, the weird almost like deer hoof kind of singer where it's like, oh, yeah, kind of erratic. And, but this, I mean like uh, I think I want to say Eli sing or no, no, it's Jason sings in the band. And, uh, and and Pat, I believe the two guitar, the guitarist and brass player, but um, it, it has a an interesting feel. It kind of almost reminds me of the very emergency era of like Promise Ring. So okay. it's got that kind of accessible, smooth sound, but at the same time, it's also mathy. But it has yeah, such a I see warmth that spills over with it, and that's what's really cool about it. Like almost like if you mix like Promise Ring with like Elf and Arrow Kale, the kind of math rock. And it's a really good record. Maybe not quite to like the degree of like, you know, like abrasiveness, like Farrakhat or like Matthew, stuff like that. But like somewhere in between there, though. And it's just a phenomenal record. Um, and I, I, th- I think the people that are into it are like weirdos like me that get obsessed with something and <laughs> after they get into it. But like, I feel like it, it, it's really kind of a polarizing record where it's either you love it or you you, you do not give two shits about it. Or so. <laughs> I, I definitely get the impression that, that people who I, I, I very much like this record. I, I don't know that I fall in either camp necessarily um, <laughs> as a, as a, as a fan of the smoking popes, I was obligated to listen to this record at least once in my life. Um, but I, the, my introduction to this record was actually um, when I was doing radio in college, I worked with um, uh, this promoter called the syndicate, which, the radio station I currently volunteer at still works with, but, uh, there was this guy there, uh, named Rob, uh, Rob Wilcox, who now works at polyvinyl. Uh, so living, living the dream. Um, he, he is prior to, prior to, you know, realizing your fandom of this record, Jeff, he was the person that I knew who just absolutely loved this record. Like would just bring it up apropos of nothing, uh, because it's just it, it it's it's an extremely extremely polished record in a way that isn't like I, I I feel like when I say the word polished it means a particular thing but that's not like what I'm trying to get at here like I I, I think what you said about it being like you know tight and accessible but also like kind of mathy is is what I'm trying to describe here and like that's not something you get that often or at least didn't get that often when this record came out. I feel like it's, it's, it's a lot more common these days with like, yeah, with like bands like TTNG and, you know, your maps and atlases and stuff like that. Um, 
but yeah, no, th- this I, I can absolutely see why people like who love this record refuse to shut up about it because they shouldn't <laughs> shut up about it because everybody <laughs> should listen to this record at least once. Fully backed. And, and, and also carrying on in like that, if we want to call it Midwestern emo tradition, they have the brass on there as well. So for they all do, the American football do. fans on there, so <laughs> <laughs> get the dig in right there. Nice. <laughs> Jordan, do you have much background with this record or not so much? I'm going to be real honest with you guys. I have never listened to this whole record. Um, I've only listened to a few songs from them and, uh, I do have the split that, uh, they did with, uh, Owen. Oh, no oh yeah, that's right. That was, that was a great split too. Um, so, so, uh, not completely unaware of their existence, but pretty close to it, unfortunately. <laughs> no, uh, no somehow, somehow this just kind of like, I, I don't know. I was, I probably got into like the more mathy stuff, you know, in the last, I don't know, six years, Jeff. Well, that was that was your uh, influence, probably. Oh, I, no, I see, you, you, you have many friends. I don't. I don't, ha- I don't have any other friends. Snowball rolling together. <laughs> I don't have any other friends. Uh, <laughs> no, I. I don't think I have any friends that would have. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe a couple of my friends from high school, if you know, if that had been our thing, but we all like went very separate directions with music very quickly in high school. And, uh, I very quickly became the only one listening to like punk and pop punk for the most part. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that I had anyone to really, uh, push me in this direction, uh, until I was spending time with you. So you want to, you want to go for your next one, Jordan? Yeah. Um, I, think that I'm going to talk about uh, another one that's not that old. It's, uh, it's only five years old, but uh, it was uh, Dan Andriano in the emergency room. Uh, the record's called Party Adjacent, and uh, um, I know everybody loves his the first record from, from him, but uh, and, and it's great, but there was something about this record that just really... I latched onto. I loved the sound. I loved. I, I just felt like it, it was very different than what I'm used to from him and from. Uh, I just, I just really liked the direction. A lot of the songs that stuck out to me were like, um, uh, "Don't have a thing," but really the whole, the whole thing was great. The first side, side A of the record is is uh, where I uh, I live the most, though I would say. Um, but, but the whole the whole record, just every song on it, just doesn't sound like anything else that he's put out. I felt like it was a different take. It was kind of like when I got into Sundowner. Um, you know, you're hearing somebody you already like who makes great songs and has a really interesting voice uh, doing something completely different than what you're used to. And uh, I think that's probably why I latched onto it so hard. It's understandable. I mean, Dan Andreano is just, it, he's such, uh, he, he's very much a, a singular voice. Uh, it, it, like we were talking about with the Lawrence Arms, like he very much like has his particular thing that he does in Alkaline Trio, aside from being a badass bassist, um, yes. like in the songs that he sings and like more, more than, you know, more so than Matt Skiba, like Dan Andreano's got like got a just like, 
if you tell if you told me that you know Matt Skiba and Dan Andriano were both going to have solo projects, I would have guessed that Dan Andriano's was going to be the one that I would enjoy more. And it <laughs> turns out that was the case uh, in retrospect. Um, yeah, he's just he's a just such a solid songwriter and has such a great voice that like it it, it it's a no brainer. Like you you see a Dan Andriano record and you go, okay, well yeah, no, I kind of know. I feel like I kind of know what I'm getting here, but I'm gonna dive into it anyway. Um, and yeah, I think I think I I have not listened to this record as much as I listened to the first Dan Andriano in the Emergency Room uh, record, but it's definitely definitely still a real good one fully backed they own the head both of you I I, I I think I'm with Jordan I think I, I prefer this one to the first one even though the first one is incredible as well and uh, this is definitely another one of those ones that I feel is kind of a sleeper hit on the label where it feels that people maybe don't know about it as much as they should or they I feel like there wasn't it. a lot of fanfare around this one yeah. like wow like yeah. I I was surprised to find out that it was out <laughs> Same. <laughs> it kind of popped out of nowhere for I think a lot of people. I mean, hell, I mean, I, mean, I, I was into the trio at the time. I think this came out, and like, and even I, like, I'm like, oh shit, there's a Dan Andriano solo record coming out. Okay, cool. Like, I think that maybe that's kind of the way he prefers it. He doesn't. He strikes me as kind of a, a, a low key dude when it comes to that. I think I think he's he's comfortable enough in his own skin to kind of do what he does, and if people like it, they like it, and if they don't, he's just like, well, no skin off my back. <laughs> yeah. Keep on rolling and doing what i do which is really yeah dan Dan andriano is doing this because he likes to do it like absolutely that is that is very much the case and and it 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 very much comes through in in all of his work (laughs) yeah um yeah i feel like it sounds like we're maybe a little biased because we're from chicago but that i don't feel like that's the actual case you know i think that uh a lot of our, a lot of the things that we focused on have been have been Chicago based, but uh, I think that's just coincidence, and that's because it's just because Mike Park has had a huge influence on the Chicago music scene. I fully agreed. I, I this is see. this is how networking works, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a case study. I learned that way too late in life, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think for me, I was, I mean, I spent most of my formative years in North Carolina while most of these bands were releasing records and stuff. And I, I can say from experience that a lot of them hit really big there too. And they had a good following there. And a, so for anyone that is under the assumption that most of these bands were kind of Midwestern phenoms, I could, I could fully assure you that they made it big everywhere. And there was a good reason for that. And we all know why, because they were great at what they did. <laughs> That's extremely reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so same with Alkaline Trio. So kick us over into the next one here, Matt. Do you, do you want to go into your next one? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next one I wanted to talk about, and I'm going over the list and totally not just going to keep talking so I can fill time. Uh, so my next one, my next one is another, another joint one. Um, and Jordan, you had this on your list as well. And we kind of alluded to it a little bit in the intro. Uh, but my next one is knife man by AJJ. Um, I, I don't like it's, it's, this is very much like, uh, my description of, of, um, okay. In that, like, it's just a really good record. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I, I really liked, um, I've really liked 
pretty much all of AJJ's output over the course of time. I've seen them live a couple of times and they are uh, an essential live show, I would argue. Um, but yeah, like I really liked people who can eat people are the luckiest people in the world. Um, <laughs> and like that record has a bunch of like my favorite AJJ songs, but like knife man is just a, a front to back, like bangers on all ends. Um, if you can call folk punk songs bangers, uh, then you can. this is the closest you're going to get. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like I, um, I back back in the in the days of um, alternative music message boards uh, was definitely the time that I was getting introduced to uh, bands like AJJ and uh, O Pioneers and uh, Defiance Ohio in particular, alongside like you know bands that got massively popular like Against Me uh, and honestly AJJ in their own right are extremely like well known which is a wild thing I wouldn't have been able to guess back in 2008 or whenever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, like knife man is one of those things where like AJJ was really like ramping up with their first few albums and like knife man just feels like a culmination of everything they'd done before. Uh, Just done like just slightly better. Um, And I think that's kind of, you know, why I land on this as like one of my favorite Asian man releases, because it really like, I, I don't know that it's the best AJJ record. Cause like their more recent records have really hit with me too, but it, it feels like the actualization of a sound that like a lot of other people are like going for, but they really did a great job of hitting right on the head. Um, which is just like, they're an extremely angry folk punk band, but they want to, they want you to know why they're angry. (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, I think that what, what knife man does best is, um, you know, kind of pushing through the, uh, the like kind of, I feel like there's a weird thing around the idea of folk punk that like really has to be like lo-fi. Otherwise it's inauthentic or whatever. And I feel like, I feel like what knife man really does is proves that like, that's really not the case at all. Um, like this record sounds good. The songs are really well written. Um, it's well sequenced. Uh, and you know, it's, it's something that you can unabashedly listen to front to back and, I really appreciate that about this record as a person who like has, you know, historically had a, had a rough time listening to like some folk punk records just because I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like you've got an acoustic guitar and you can strum it really fast, but like, <laughs> do you have anything interesting to say? <laughs> um, and the case with like bands I've mentioned thus far is almost always, yes, absolutely. Uh, but like, I feel that's especially true with, with AJJ. Um, and I feel like I've talked really excitedly, uh, for a while just now. So somebody else, please take over. (laughs) (laughs) You're on a roll, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of my piece. Like, I think, I think knife man is just like, if you're going to listen to an earlier AJJ record, this is, this is it. Um, and then also go listen to people who can eat people. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Um, I, I somehow the, this band uh, escaped my uh, 
I, it escaped me for a long time. I did not know about their existence. And then Jeff convinced me to go to a show. Uh, I feel like you might have actually been there. Yeah, I think that, like the I first think time I, did I met you guys at that show because it was yeah. um it was AJJ. Who else was playing that? I show? feel like Chumped? it was Jeff Rosenstock and oh, yeah, Jeff Rosenstock and Chumped. Yep, and yep, that checks. Mystery band too, right? I think yeah. so. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay, um, which apparently that was only I looked it up and I think it was five years ago, but it feels like a lot longer than that. <laughs> well, that, that sounds about right. That sounds um, like the time period. But I was, uh, I had to listen to two songs before we got to the show. Um, cool. I don't remember what they were, but I remember thinking like, oh, I like this band. It's going to be, this is going to be a fun show. And I went down and I bought Knife Man um, on record before the show started. And uh, I felt like an idiot because there was a million people there and it got really cramped really fast. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I was worried about the record. But uh, um, I didn't even know if this was a good one. I was just like, uh, this one looks cool, so I'm going to get it. <laughs> it um, does have pretty sick album art. <laughs> which, is, which is maybe a good way to do things sometimes. It doesn't always check out. But in this case, it did. It worked out real well. Um, and... Uh, but I feel like it just starts out real good. Uh, the Michael Jordan of Drunk Driving is just a fantastic song. It, it uh, is. It really it, is. It's 22 <laughs> seconds long, and it's worth every second. Um, it uh, the but the record itself, it's just uh, it's fantastic the whole way through. And uh, like you said, uh, a lot of my favorite songs are on uh, People Can Eat People, and uh, I think the people too, or something like that is probably my favorite song. I yeah. But this, this called. record has the sequel to people Two. people Two Two still peopling. <laughs> That's true. It does. I, I think we did fail to mention that some of the song name, this is, this is a proud Andrew or AJJ tradition, uh, is just naming the songs in the most memorable possible ways, such as like zombie by the cranberries by Andrew Jackson, Jihad (laughs) (laughs) and the the closing, the closing two songs, free bird and big bird. (laughs) (laughs) They win. (laughs) That's the way Um, to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, American, American tune, you know, I, uh, I love that song. It, uh, constantly puts me in my place and, uh, you know, it's a it's a fun way to check your privilege and the. Uh, it's, I just felt like seeing them live before I had really listened to them may have been a really cool way to get into this band. I think that's a perfect way to get into AJJ because like they, the the, the energy they bring to their shows does come through on on record, but it's it's not the same for obvious reasons. Yeah, and they had <laughs> they had an electric cello on stage. Uh, which just really added to every song somehow. It was it was fantastic, um, and it's something. It was a show that I'd just never forget. It was just so good, and so I, I feel like that may have just helped solidify this record. But I went home and I listened to it, and I think I, I just played it over and over a couple times for a few days and just like really dove into it. And uh, yeah, I there's not a lot of folk punk bands that I'm into. I, I kind of get what you were saying. But the ones that I do, it's just like if if you're real good, if you you know, if your songs are are great, I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna ignore that. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I think in the case of this band, it's pretty, yeah, it, like it's, how would I put it? Uh, undeniable <laughs> that they yeah. have whatever it is. And if I may quote them directly, God is obsolete. There's no <laughs> People are just fucking mean. Go sons. <laughs> Perfect. That is also the best way to end a song right there. And uh, as a former Charles Barkley fan, I, I, I have to, I have to agree with them. Go sons. Even though they nice. say now. <laughs> <laughs> Very I'm solid. Sorry. Devin Booker is no Charles Barkley. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I grew up in Chicago, where the greatest uh, basketball team of all time reigned the '90s. Uh, so wait, the the Bad Boys Pistons? I didn't think they were from Chicago. <laughs> God, no, we're not bringing oh, we're not bringing this to this podcast. I can't. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, I, I can acknowledge that Jordan is the greatest of all time. I mean, even as a Pistons fan, I, I can admit that because it's the truth. So. I was going to say, thank God, because otherwise you're wrong. <laughs> I say it. I to say we can't do this right now. A <laughs> episode documentary about, uh, about the Bulls on Netflix right now that you can go watch. So, I've heard yeah, really good things really about good. that. Really good. I watch, I mean, I'm stuck in my house with nobody else for months on end. Uh, so I've done a lot of watching to the point that once I get out of here, I'm not sure I'll ever watch anything ever again. I would highly recommend. It. Uh, interesting fact about that: my boss at work is actually related to Jerry Krauser. Whoa! Oof. Hey, it wasn't all his fault. Reinsdorf had a big hand in that too. It, oh no, I'm just, breaking, I'm just breaking up the band. That so. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was pretty wild. I think he told us all about that. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't I don't blame Jerry in his entirety for that decision. So. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, watch the watch the documentary. You'd be, uh, although they, I mean, none of them liked him, so they really bullied him a bit because he but was. He he could be a bit bullheaded about things, but the, the when it boils down to it, the general manager Reinsdorf had the final say on that, and he could have at any moment said, "We're going to pay Pippen what he's actually worth and not be stupid." Ooh. And they could have kept the band together for another year or two. And they openly elected to do that. Like Krauss was gunning for that out of pride or who knows what, but Reinsdorf had the final say. He really should have made a better decision. I'm just saying. No, no, that's, that's perfectly valid. Like there, yeah, there were a lot of problems there that could have, could have easily been addressed. Been <laughs> exactly. Uh, now I'm not saying that would have made it all better, but like it probably would have eased a lot of the tension there. I, I think if, if nothing else, it would, it would prove an interesting like discussion of where it would have gone when they would have faced the Spurs with David Robinson and Tim Duncan. I would have been it would have been fascinating to see Jordan compete against those guys. And sorry, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. I, I digress. <laughs> no, okay, no, okay. no. But the thing is that this this makes me feel much closer to my favorite author uh, Hanif of uh who uh, would be very proud of us for dovetailing from AJJ into the nineties bulls and pistons. Uh, so thank you for, for bringing me a little bit closer to one of my idols. <laughs> Anything we can do to help you achieve Nirvana. So <laughs> okay. my, my next one on here is actually one that Matt and I share, I believe. Um, I believe that this, this record being on my list is your fault too. <laughs> if I remember correctly. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> it's a you should. I regret nothing. And neither should you. Um, it is from Oakland, California's Wild Moth, and the record is Over Again. And um, 
this one was they were kind of a special band for me um, because they're they're one of the first bands I really sunk my teeth into and I, I don't worry I'm not, I'm not going to take this in a totally theological direction here or something but do it I I served as a Mormon missionary when I was still an active member of that religious organization I'm no longer part of it anymore but I mean, not that I have any Thing wrong to say that, like, or anything disparaging to say about anyone that wants to. Were a Mormon? I was at one point, believe it or not, and I and I devoted two years of my life, paid to go out there and be a door-to-door salesman for them as a missionary, Oof. and listen to no music for two years except for like shitty Mormon church hymns. And let me tell you, they fucking suck. They're all Irish <laughs> drinking songs adopted into becoming like theological songs about some. Well, I'm not going to go into that. I mean, like, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. A lot of a lot of drinking songs turned into, um, you know, <laughs> certain things shit. like the Star Spangled Banner and other uh, <laughs> things that people ascribe to religiously. Exactly. Um, yeah, you know, it's fine. Gord anyway. blast, Gord blast America. And uh, anyway, <laughs> so Wild Moth was one of the first bands I really kind of got to sink my teeth into after taking that kind of. I, I call it my theological incubation period of not listening to any good music for two years and being a, you know, a, a spokesperson for a bunch of autocrats that don't want to do it for themselves and paying to do that. No less. Um, so I, I think a friend from an old message board I used to be on, I think it was, uh, called the punk I don't even know if it's still around. Anymore. Oh man. I don't even know what that is. And that tells me how, uh, how much of a throwback <laughs> it is. It was, it was a Canadian run site by some dude named Bobby Gorman. Uh, he was a super nice guy. I think he actually let me do a few reviews for them back in the day when the site was running. Uh, but there's someone on there. And I think, I think I jumped back on there cause that was one of the forums that I used to go to when, when forums still existed back in 2009 and 2008 and before. And, uh, I think I, I, I tossed out some kind of generalized thing and they're like, Hey, uh, any, anything I should be looking at that I've missed because I've been in a bit of a vacuum for the last two years. And you can ask if you want to prefer if you don't. <laughs> um, and one of the first bands that I think someone popped up to me was wild moth. And, uh, I remember listening to like, I think the 10 inch that came out at the time. And my God, that thing was like a spit brand of just like post punk and like shoegaze. And it was just, it was warm and fuzzy, but yet vicious as hell, just screaming at the top of its lungs, just blaring hot. And like, it, but it like, but it wasn't too spicy that he wasn't palatable at the same time. And, um, so that, that was my introduction to this band. And like, I, I think this one's definitely a lot more subdued than their earlier work. And even like the EP that they released on Asian Man, which is also really good. And, uh, but I, this one, this one's, I, I think they, they kind of toned it down a bit. For me, it reminds me a bit more of like, you took like the faith era cure and steamrolled it into like, my bloody Valentine isn't anything kind of era material. Like where it's got that just really warm kind of fuzzy, that guitar and feedback and everything kind of just bleeds out of your speakers and onto you and just kind of pours over you. And, but at the same time, there's a bit of grit to it and stuff. Um, so maybe even a Bauhaus and molasses or something like, <laughs> like it's, um, it, it just a, still an interesting blend. And I think this record is really good. And I think this is probably the last one by them that I really, really loved. I mean, in inhibitor i think which came out on iron pier after this was still good and i think that was around the era that i saw them also coincidentally at the downstairs at subterranean nice <laughs> um, i've never I, seen a show there oh it's, it's, it's wow fun. like when, when only back, upstairs only upstairs. Back, we're all going dude and dude it was a weird build too i think i want to say that like shoe open for them 
That sounds right. I, I, I remember not going to this show because <laughs> I wanted to go and I think something else was going on or oh, I just damn. like couldn't make the drive. I no, I guess. No, I would have lived here by then. Never mind. Yeah, you, uh, you were definitely here because I, I think we were, we were in the band at the time. I think yeah. That, yeah. Before. Yeah. Dang. Well, then I don't know why I missed that show. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> they put on a good show, too. They, 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 were, they were definitely very good. Um, but uh, it just they kind of lost a little bit of luster it sounded more like they were trying to become like a, a 90s kind of grunge band after that mixed with a hint of shoegaze but like not quite in the way that like nothing or word did it. it it was it was good but it's just not not quite as affirming as like the, the first few releases by them but um and of course it's i'd be remiss if i mentioned this record without mentioning the uh a california legend whose seedlings have sprouted pretty much everywhere in the universe in the last 10 years or so, uh, Camadre legend himself, Jack Shirley, who has recorded pretty much almost every good record that's come out after 2010. And I mean, there's a few that he's missed, but I mean, he's, he's got a good fortune. <laughs> <on him, so. laughs> and rest in peace, Camadre, you, you were dearly missed. Yeah. Yeah, no, that like, I, that is, my minus the personal touches because again i i think i think you recommended this record just like kind of out into the world on one of the forums uh and i was like oh well it's a jeff recommendation so i should probably check it out so I and like avoid it, it at all costs <laughs> <laughs> but uh no like that i i think i i re-listened to this record just earlier today because i i like i hadn't listened to it in a hot minute um and like I, I was just immediately thrown back to like, oh yeah, this is why I liked that record so much when it came came out because it just, it really is like, I feel like it hits that sweet spot in um like I, not to like directly compare them to another band, but like if you watched the career trajectory of Ceremony, I feel like mm. Wild Wild Moth hits that uh that really sweet spot like right in their like mid to late i say late as if they're not a band anymore but you get what i mean like you know around like a little after the l-shaped man but like also with a twinge of like what they were doing when uh like and still nothing moves you or like roark park came out uh and like just like really like wrapping that up in this super tight soup like not i don't want to say super accessible but like really like kind of like in a lot of ways like it's got this record's got hooks mm-hmm. um but it's all it also yeah it does have that character of like being uh a very solidly like post-punk with some shoegaze influence record and it just like it's it's a pleasure to listen to like just <laughs> sonically speaking and a lot of you know obviously part of that is the songwriting and part of that is you know the man himself jack shirley um who we were for for any for context for anybody who isn't you know in this virtual chat right now uh we were talking about uh jack shirley earlier today and uh just his incredible catalog of um releases that he has either been on or otherwise involved in um if you've ever listened to, you know, anything mildly heavy and that was released from 2010 on chances are he had his hands in it at some point or another. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this record is just, it's, it is a, it is, you know, 
almost in a way that like a lot of a lot of other you know punk records might not be like it just it's just a it's a pleasant experience while still like having that edge to it that like makes makes a record like this special like it's not you know i feel like a lot of bands were going for like a post-punk with shoegaze uh (laughs) sound around the time that this record came out and these guys just really like nailed it down uh but yeah, and, and it, it is, you know, it's unfortunate that the, the record that followed kind of lacked that luster. But it was, again, it was still good, just not not as good as as this one was. That's that's kind of my piece on it. Uh, you know, just a very, very solid record that that stands out among its peers. Especially amongst, I'd say, like the, the Asian Man catalog too. Like, it, yeah, like it, it goes it, to show the diversity of that catalog that you have a release like this that exists among it. And like, I remember yeah. when when they first signed to the label, I was like, "They're on Asian Man? What?" I mean, I was like stoked at the same time. I was like, "That's that's fucking awesome!" But like, man, that is the last place I thought that they would end up. I think they would be like Iron Pier, like Iron Pier, I don't know, like cover, uh, <laughs> yeah. RFC, like any any of what, these other one of those ones. one of those labels that a band like that goes to <laughs> exactly or maybe like top shelf or something like that if they wouldn't go in the more experimental phase or something but like so I mean I'm, I'm glad that it's here because I, I I I think being here gave it a lot better distribution than it probably would have got otherwise although like I still feel that like I, maybe this is just my own personal bias but I feel that this is a really still uh, a slept on release within the catalog no I definitely agree it's it's you know, I, I I feel like I feel like it deserved more than it got. Agreed. And also, the singer sounds a little bit like Dan Hanaway. So <laughs> that, that, is that, could, that could be another deciding factor in why I enjoy this band so much. So, <laughs> understand. Maybe it is Dan Hanaway. <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, I never thought about that. <laughs> Wearing a mask the He's whole been time. Out in Oakland or something. He's like, I'm running. Ground control, vegan cafe, and going to Oakland. <laughs> He's Batman, pretty much. Jordan, do, do you did do you have any uh, thoughts on this one? Or you know, it actually, I liked what you said about it being a little more subdued. Uh, it it was. It, this is uh, uh, something that I uh, listened to in preparation for this podcast, and I really I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Um, I don't have a lot of uh, experience in talking about shoegaze or, you know, any of those things. But uh, does. Jeff, Jeff, you're you are uh, I, I, I'm a, a plethora of knowledge. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I will say it was uh, it was a complete uh, I, I completely enjoyed listening to this record this week. Um uh, I, there was no part in this where I was like, ah, this isn't for me. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it's not, it's not something that I, you know, I would have sought out. So, um, it's, uh, I would definitely say that, that, uh, it's, uh, to use your word, Matt, uh, it is accessible. I feel like, uh, uh, more people could, could probably like this than, uh, than you would expect. Yeah. If you, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to this record, Go do it, please. That do applies it, please. to literally everything we've talked about, but <laughs> I feel like this one especially, like maybe, yeah. maybe deserves more due than it's gotten. Yeah. It's a wild, awesome love. 
and also help Mike Park too because this label rules. Yeah, give you give deserve Mike all the support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike Park actually uh, cares about people and uh, you know and his artists and uh, he's a good guy. So give him your money. Is this my last one? I think yeah. it is. Is it? I think so. Oh. Um, this is so. This was where I had a really hard time for a while. It was. Uh, another record which uh matt has on his list so he'll get into that record but i changed over to uh sundowners um uh we chase the waves uh which is a fantastic record uh from chris from the lawrence arms and uh as well as like a million other amazing uh chicago acts was he he in broadways too or he I was. think he was in Broadway's. He was, yes. Um, yeah, Chris was definitely in, in the Broadway's. And uh, I feel like we, we may have not mentioned this yet, but uh, shout out to uh, Matt Allison and uh, all of his nicknames that the Lawrence Times has given him, uh, especially uh, Matt, uh, dude, fuck Sammy Sosa Allison. That's, that's probably one of my favorite ones. Um, <laughs> Uh, or I believe that one of his uh, one of his nicknames was uh, Matt. Uh, are we going to do that nickname thing this time? Because I really don't want one Allison or something along those lines. That sounds right. <laughs> it's something along it, you know. But it's uh, it's fair to say that he had a hand in a, a lot of uh, great Chicago records. Anything uh, produced by the the Lawrence Arms or uh, Upline Trio. Um, uh, I believe the Broadways as, as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, awesome. you know, we it would be unfair to not mention him in this. Uh, but uh, this record was actually not produced by him, uh, although he does have some credit on the um, uh, on the record. I think he he provided a lot of the uh, the the gear they used to record the record. Uh, but it was actually produced by Neil Hennessy. Uh, which is pretty cool. Love that. Love Neil. Um, <laughs> he's the man. Yeah, from what I understand, Neil just kind of got up there and and learned from Matt as they recorded each album and and just kind of honed in on the craft and and uh, really became uh, pro at that. But uh, they still use they still use Matt to to this day. The the Lawrence Arms do. Uh, but this record, uh, Chris is one of my favorite songwriters i love i love his songs they really uh i i really feel like an emotional connection to a lot of uh the songs that he writes the way he you know his inflections um and uh and it's almost like poetry like the way he writes his songs and uh it's it's just really enjoyable um and i I love this record i i find myself listening to uh uh, to Sundowner uh, quite a lot, actually. So uh, I felt like it was fair to put this on here. It might not be one of the best records on the uh, Asian Man catalog. I'm not sure. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite records from the from the catalog, though. I, I come back to it over and over. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I got for that. That's totally fair. Yeah, no, uh, Sundowner is a... Is, is a really wonderful project. Um, 
like we've 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 talked a little bit about like folks uh solo efforts uh who are in bands that we already enjoyed but yeah i I feel like i saw sundowner i think at the metro like kind of on accident once and by on accident i mean i didn't realize it was chris i just saw (laughs) that this band called sundowner was playing and i didn't listen to them and prep for the show at all i was like okay this will be interesting and then i was like oh oh it's like oh it's the guy from the lawrence arms Oh, this is really good. I think he was opening for Chuck Reagan on one oh, of his damn. first solo outings. I want to say uh, it, this was a long time ago now, um, but it was it was a it was one of those things where like like kind of like how Jordan you got introduced to AJJ seeing them live. Like I got introduced to Sundowner seeing him live, and it was just it was absolutely delightful and a, a really great way to get introduced to to his music that he was making on the side and. I've really been super into that project ever since. Yeah. If you, if you uh, are able to, uh, I would, I would suggest people even look, look him up when he does his stuff. Uh, I, I like the recordings of him doing them live even more than I like the, the album versions of things. He just got, he, he just has a really cool, uh, good. He's got a good presence and the way he performs, live is is definitely something to experience this one uh like like jordan mentioned uh this almost made jordan's list uh this is my last one um and it is uh lemuria's get better uh and i've never known whether or not i was pronouncing that band's name right because i've never seen them live and i've never heard anybody talk about them out loud (laughs) um so apologies if you are a fan and you are better at phonetically reading things than i am uh but (laughs) Uh, the record is get better. Um, Lemuria is a great, great. Um, I, I feel, I feel, I worry when I call a band a pop punk band because I feel like that can be a disparaging term. But know that when I talk about uh, this band and reference that term, I'm talking about a a punk band that takes pop sensibilities and does something cool with them. Um, and they're they're even like beyond that scope. Like this isn't a like if you haven't heard it. You, you might not know, but if you have heard it, you know, like this isn't like some Ramones core thing or whatever. Um, <laughs> Lemuria is just a, they, they, they're a band that like just writes really solid hooky songs, uh, that get stuck in your head, uh, that you could just absolutely like swim in, uh, while also just doing like some cool, subtle stuff along the way. There's a, there's a song on this record and I'm, I'm, absolutely failing to remember what it is but there the the bridge of the song just has this really sick like off kilter drum part that like you know kind of phases in and out with with what the guitars and vocals are doing and just like there's little nuggets like that all over this record and it just like it's not i don't want to say it's unlike anything i had heard before it but it definitely just like has such a unique flavor as like punk records go. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Sheena is just an absolutely like incredible vocalist. Um, and, uh, kind of dovetailing off of our talk earlier about, um, uh, six, one, three, one being a strange label for, uh, you know, some artists end up on, uh, Following on this record, uh, Lemuria ended up on Bridge Nine Records, another distinctly uh, <laughs> <laughs> hardcore label. Uh, and the, the, the record yeah. that they released um, on on Bridge Nine 
uh, there might have been more than one. I, but the, I want to say they did two full lengths. I think I think they so let me. Pebble I'm checking. Lane, yeah, the distance yeah. is so big. I believe we're on. There. Yeah, Pebble. Yeah, Pebble was the one that immediately followed Get Better, and then yeah, the distance is so big was the the one that came out after that. And Pebble, uh, I, I haven't listened to the distance is so big nearly as much as I've listened to Get Better and Pebble, but like both both those first two records are just incredible and just like so well put together and just like there's there there have been things like it since but like leading up to that it was just like this nice little nugget that fell into its own little category for a while um and like i it like honestly like when when get better came out in 2008 i didn't like latch onto it super hard it was like it was actually around when pebble came out that i was like Oh, I really like this record. And I, I feel like I kind of liked their, their first one. I should go back. And then I did. And it was like, Oh yeah, no, this record absolutely rules. Um, so yeah, like if you, if you have, you know, if you are into punk rock, which if you're listening to this, you probably are. Cause like, <laughs> if you're not into punk rock, you probably don't like 90% of Asian man records catalog. Uh, but like, this is just, this is one of those, one of those just like great records to just sit with and listen to front to back and just have a like wonderful time doing so like the subject matter of the, some of the songs is, you know, uh, is going to be heavy. And that's the case with, you know, a lot of records that, you know, fall into the, the greater category of punk rock in the like 2010s and uh, late two thousands. But like, you know, you're, the 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 experience of listening is enjoyable and then like if you listen to the lyrics past that like that's a whole other experience on its own um so yeah just absolutely highly recommend this one again like one that like simultaneously really fits into the asian man records aesthetic and stands out uh and i think that's just super cool um and this band just uh i don't i don't know if this band is like active right now i know that they did an anniversary tour on get better a little while ago. Uh, I think it was like the 10th anniversary back in 2008. Um, but I haven't really been, uh, keeping up with them lately. And, uh, on revisiting this record for this podcast, uh, for a couple of listens, really hope that they're still doing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I actually, I got the, they put out a, a 10 year anniversary version of the record with a different cover. Um, and so for a while there, I had both versions and now I can't find my original version, Ooh, but I don't, I mean, it might be here somewhere, uh, or might've got mixed in with somebody else's records. Um, but I still have one copy, so I'm still, I'm okay. That, that one copy is better than no copies. That's for sure. (laughs) And, and if I'm completely honest, I own zero copies of this record and I should probably change that. (laughs) Yeah, if you're listening to this and you don't own a copy of this record, go buy one, and then you'll have more copies than Matt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless he buys it before you do, and then he'd be yeah. What, I'm, I'm going to just I, I'm going to intentionally delay the release of this episode. But <laughs> <laughs> for real, as we've said many times in this podcast, support Asian Man Records, support your local record store, support small labels, support artists. Streaming doesn't pay, and it never will. <laughs> it, it really doesn't. Uh, and, and you're supporting hacks like Daniel Egg. Fuck that guy. Uh, yeah, I I definitely use Spotify, uh, but if 
you're a band that I listen to and like, I, you know, I definitely spend my money on your merch, on your vinyl, a copy of the vinyl record. Um, I mean, if you see my, my living room, it's, uh, it's got, uh, screen prints on all over the walls for different bands. It's got, uh, flags and other memorabilia. And it's really just, it, that's the way you have to, in this day and age, you have to do that in order to support your, your, uh, favorite artists because they don't, they really don't make anything off of, uh, off of streams. It, it doesn't pay, pay for anything. It definitely doesn't pay back what it costs to write the record. Um, uh, when music, when live music comes back, definitely go see see those bands, see those people you like, because that that's how they know to keep doing it, and that's that's what you know pays for them to continue to do it. Word to that. Big time. If I may quote one open mic eagle, was it was a fraction of a penny paying qualifiers? Oh I'm sorry, man, point zero zero one nine percent of a cent is not paying anybody per stream, and that's if that's they're even paying out in that amount at all. So just if you're going to use it, like, like both of you said, use it as a means of going out there and finding something that you enjoy, listen to it, find out whether or not you want to go out there and support it. And if you like it, please do. Yeah. Um, like, and obviously like not, I, I, I realize that among us, this goes without saying, but for the, for the, the broader audience, we will not disparage you if you cannot afford to pay for music. Like I get it. Uh, I would be in a very different place in life if I didn't have access to all that I have access to now. Like I wouldn't have heard half of the things that I enjoy nowadays. Um, and I, I'm lucky enough to in this time of a lot of people being out of work, be able to work, uh, and be able to, show show artists some love in the form of some cash but like the most important thing for you to do is make sure that you are you know keeping up with bands you like evangelize them to your friends if uh if you really like them i don't know i'm i'm going off on a tangent here no um, no, no it's a good tangent mm-hmm. we're, but, we're both with you all the way preaching to the choir yeah um that's all I've got to say about Get Better. Uh, Jeff, I think you have two records left because you're more unique than Jordan and I, apparently. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the odd outlier here two, or something. Did I, he I, do I, six I, records? No, I did five. I, did five. I, I think I only had one overlap, though. Yeah, he, he oh, had one because overlap. He didn't share one with us. <laughs> oh, man. So that means you're going to have to like, listen to me ramble extra long. I, I'm sorry. I, I just want to like talk about Lemuria really quick because this is another one of oh, the records. No, please, that do, please do. Definitely would have been on like my honorable mentions but i knew that both of you guys are talking about it so i i left it off for that reason and that reason alone because everything they put up is good i, I feel like they're one of the few bands that when whenever they release something i'm like oh this is my new favorite lemuria record every time <laughs> they release something and then they put out the next one and i'm like oh this is probably my new favorite lemuria record but all the rest <laughs> of them are all still amazing too and i i, I think honestly like uh, full full stop i when i first heard about this band i heard them can compared to uh Allison Mossard's discount back okay. in the day. And uh I, I'm I'm a huge discount fan. I, I love that band and I know the Kills fans will probably want to eat me alive and Allison Mossart does not give a shit about discount 
at this point in her career and justly so because that's like way far beyond her. It's like, Oh, it's a pop punk band I did when I was living in Gainesville and I was nobody. But, uh, <laughs> um, so when I first listened to like the stuff that was on their first collection or like a couple EPs, I remember being like, this is like good. I mean, it's kind of like discount. The fact that like, she kind of has that kind of like, Sheena has a really kind of similar voice in certain ways and vocal inflection to, uh, Alison Mossard in a certain way. But I, I think this band goes, far above and beyond has gotten progressively in my opinion better with every release and like this one get better is still a phenomenal record and it's definitely a benchmark for their career and i probably has one of my favorite songs by them about basically a breakup it's like probably less than 50 words but still like conveys everything you feel like as far as like parting with it what is the song called i think it's called dog yeah yep and uh, like god damn it's like so good just like the way that she compares herself to feeling like she's like i feel like you're dead but I, but I know i'll never see you again and it's like but you know that it's not dead in the, the sense that like you're physically dead but like you're dead to me and I'm, we're never going to associate any kind of meaningful way ever again and i still feel shitty about the fact that like i'm angry at you for that but like i know that we're not going to be there <laughs> and talking about like the pity piles up the pity piles up and um what was it like ashamed of trying to butter up your obituary <laughs> like i fucking love that line that's like, such a good it's line so good. it's like, such a good line love it just the, the way she's talking about that like i mean like being in that kind of situation where you're like there people are asking about that partner or something and you're like oh yeah they're doing okay i mean like they're they're good i mean we're ne- we'll never see them again but the parting was amicable and uh, we're totally not mad at each other and <laughs> just just uh, the way that both of her and Alex, uh, Sheena and Alex are able to kind of break down everything in uh, a manner that's both complex and simplistic at the same time, and yeah. which isn't any kind of dig at their lyrics because their lyrics, you can definitely delve into that plenty. Um, uh, it just, I, I love everything this band puts out and I'm, I'm an unabashed fan and um, seeing them a couple times, they definitely bring it live too. They're very good. And also saw them at sake. So rest in peace, sake. Sorry, a bunch of shout outs to sake today. Yeah, oh, for real sake. though. We we all miss you. Miss that place. Come back, <laughs> please. <laughs> so um, maybe not right now. Like right now. Yeah. Like we we told yeah. the, the economy's resuscitated, and we we have a we have a vaccine in hand or some <laughs> mass produced vaccine that is. Um, so shoot, I'm, I'll try to I'll try to go through these as quick as I possibly can because I know you guys are probably like I, I need to eat something. My blood sugar's low or something. Or maybe that's just me. But like, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I've had it. So the last two I have being being the fucking oddball outlier um, are <laughs> slapsticks. Look it, which I believe is their only full length. And technically, is- again, this is another Dill Records release in 1995, but. I, again, I think Dylan Asian Man are synonymous with each other, and it was reissued on Asian Man. It was my introduction to Asian Man records. So, I mean, if someone wants to like pin me to a wall over it and like you know like take the life out of me, have at it. I I, I won't argue with you, but I, I think this deserves to be on here, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention it because it's a fantastic record, and I would argue the foundation for just about almost every Chicago '90s and early aughts band that ever existed. Like you look, look, look at this pedigree of Brendan Kelly singing for the band. You have Dan Hanaway who went on to be in a number of other bands like the Broadway's and honor system and, uh, whale horse, I believe in some others, Matt stamps who played in Tuesday. You have, uh, Peter Anna who played on, I think less than Jake's hello rock view and also borders and boundaries as well as being in slapstick. You have Rob Kellenberger, of course, who went on to play in colossal and Duval. So, I mean, like, just from Brendan Kelly alone, I mean, you already have like 
probably one of the biggest bands in Chicago currently active right now, I'd say. And Dan Andriano, of course, would be the other one. I'd say arguably the bigger band with Alkaline Trio. Um, and beyond pedigree alone, I just, I think that this record is so damn good. Like there's a reason why I was obsessed with ska in the nineties. And it was because of bands like this and because of like, you know, less than Jake's like, um, what was it? Losing streak. I think it was losing streak. That was kind of more of my interest to them that got me fully pumped into this kind of stuff. And I mean, of course it didn't hurt having that Sonic Iguana studios, uh, sound from, uh, one of my favorite artists of all time, Mass Giorgini. Like, love that dude. And, like, I mean, Common Rider for Life, Squirt Gun for Life. <laughs> I'm on board <laughs> with all those things. And, and Sonic Iguana has also produced probably my favorite Rise Against record as well. So, I mean, like, you're talking about a good story past there. And um, this just a uh, fascinating listen to Brendan Kelly doing his best uh, Goo Goo Dolls impression while singing ska songs and stuff. And, there's so much fun. Like it, again, this is another one of those nineties releases where like we were talking about earlier, it's got a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of smudges on it and stuff, but it's well, well loved and well worn and, and just executed well, and just undeniably fun. And I will love this record probably till the end of my days. <laughs> nice. I, I, I do appreciate the, uh, the Brendan Kelly doing his best Goo Goo Dolls impression because I remember much, much like every other person who uh, has been on this earth as long as I have found out at one point, oh, yeah, no, the Goo Goo Dolls had a couple of punk records. <laughs> yes. And I went and listened to Jed and I was like, this isn't bad, but it's also just like basically a not good Lawrence Arms record. <laughs> That's what I, yeah, when I finally figured it out, that's exactly what I thought. This would be exactly what it would sound like. <laughs> but that's, that's hilarious because it, it is very accurate as to like what he, what Brendan Kelly was doing around hit the slapstick era of his career. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it, that's very true. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what song I, uh, oh, on uh, oh, if you listen to so on your side is the song that I always think sounds like it is a Lawrence Arms song. Like if you were to listen to it, you'd be like, "Oh, this is the Lawrence Arms," and you're like, "No, it's not the Lawrence Arms. It's the Goo Goo Dolls." <laughs> <laughs> and then you um, hate yourself. You're that was on like, like the Goo Goo Dolls. That's not right. No, I'm just joking. Goo Dolls have written some real bangers in their day. Uh, they, they, they had no reason to continue being a punk band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still gonna fight for that tooth and nail. They could have kept being a punk <laughs> band, or they could make money, and they decided to make money. Who do you see? I feel like they were better band. off for it. <laughs> yeah, we have plenty of other punk bands. We didn't, you know, it didn't have to go that way. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I could have done without like that video for name on like 120 minutes or whatever it was. And, like, I'm sorry, <laughs> that song. That song makes me want to die. And I, I have no qualms saying that. Fight me, Johnny Resnick. I'll take you down. <laughs> Fucking bring it. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, sorry. you you were right though. This this band definitely birthed like a million other bands. Yeah. Um, and they're and. We're not talking just like a bunch of random terrible bands. We're talking like the Falcon, uh, the basis for like the Alkaline Trio, uh, uh, Rise Against. Broadways. Uh, no, not Rise Against. No, that's uh, 
the Broadways. Yeah, Broadways. Kind of yeah, Broadway Broadway yeah. And Broadways. But so. there's just so many there's so many bands that, that it's it's like this started everything and they all just like branched out like a tree and it just gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, th- I think it's very cool though because you know all these guys they keep coming they keep coming back to each other and doing things together uh, in a lot of ways and and uh, I think that just shows that like they enjoyed their time together if they are in that many bands together it's not just because like I mean it's not just because they were forced to do it you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, jump back in a band with somebody you you hated um, That's true. Although I, I think slapstick might be might be kaput forever though, because I heard some kind of rumor about it. I think it was coming from Brendan himself, in like a podcast way back in the day, where he talked about during that Riot Fest reunion. I think one of the members was like a part of some uh, some pretty clean and uptight business or something, and apparently the one of his prerequisites for playing the show is that Brendan didn't say any swear words during the set or something. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know that with like Brendan, you know, he's just going to, he's going to roll up the cuff and say whatever comes to his mind because he's, and, and it's going to be good because it's Brendan Kelly. He's, he's fucking yeah. hilarious. But uh, apparently he, he did that. And he said that like the, the dude, he like looked back and he saw the guy and he looked really bummed out and was like, no, oh, damn it. I want to see slapstick again. Like, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Brendan Kelly can and will say anything on stage. Um, <laughs> Uh, I specifically remember uh, him being at Riot Fest and uh, Glenn Danzig also playing at Riot Fest. And uh, he, like, just announces everyone's like, oh, uh, sorry, guys, Danzig says we, we have five minutes. Sorry. <laughs> we only have one song tonight. <laughs> and, like, and everybody's laughing. And, uh, you know, anybody who, you know, knows Glenn Danzig knows that, like, he's not, he's not, you know, He's a talented guy. Uh, he's not also he's not also the best guy though, and uh, <laughs> I just love that. I love that he just gave him like a little jab. It was funny, but I, you know, who knows if they're if they get along or hate each other? I have no idea. But it was a funny moment for everyone in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he has no filter, and uh, clearly Chris and Neil have uh, have accepted that and uh, and are okay with it. And they roll with it and they make it even better because they, they each contribute their own funny thing <laughs> when, when they go out there. But, um, yeah. Like, well, damn, I, I, I guess that leaves just the last one for me, which is spoiler. No, not spoiler alert because I'm revealing it right now. What the fuck am I talking about? It's uh, <laughs> it is uh, my favorite record on Asian man records. And if anyone disagrees with me, they're not just joking. Please disagree with me because uh, like, this is just my taste. Uh, it is the honor system single file. And I don't know, maybe that's an unorthodox answer. I, I feel that, again, this is my personal bias. I would say the most underrated record of that era on Asian Man Records, hands down. I, I think this record is so goddamn good. And barely anyone ever talked about it. I think they got glossed over for like the Broadways or whatever other project the members of Slapstick were going out to do, like Alkaline Trio and stuff. And I, I remember like, people kind of disparaging this band back in the era when they were still releasing music and calling them like alkaline trio light or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's certain approaches to their music. That's that there's son, sonic similarities for sure. But I think they were both in very different lanes. Like yeah. for this, like I, I listened to this release and it, uh, it reminds me of like, if you took like, I don't know, like 15 and 
for job or early job breaker, like bivouac and unfun and like combined it with maybe a bit of like early Fugazi or something. It's got like weird angular riffs going over things and, uh, but a distinctly kind of pop punk chord melody to it that makes it so like, you don't really, I, I know a lot of people can kind of kind of listen to Fugazi or post hardcore bands like that and say like, man, there's so much rambling going on here. It's almost inscrutable to my ears and I, I get lost in it and I don't really like that. But I think with this, it really doesn't lose its melodic core to the entirety of the release. And I think that's one thing I fucking absolutely love about this record. And that and it paints just like the lyrics that Dan Hanaway like sings on this evokes such crazy vivid imagery in my mind when I listen to it. Like I, it's almost like, fucking being in like like what, what was like in you had the the council commands back in like oblivion back in the day where you can go and like you could do something so you could fly in the air basically effectively and like walk wherever you wanted to clip through walls and stuff it reminds me <laughs> of taking like this view of like chicago in 1999 and enabling council command and just being like god mode flying around everywhere and going and viewing all the horrible shit that's going on in everyone's basic lives and stuff from like this macro level and seeing it all pan out at once in front of you like songs about decay urban renewal taking out urban blight by displacing tons of people and fucking killing them and taking them out of their homes and their indigenous areas and <laughs> this constant need for western consumption at all costs at, 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 at stimulating the economy at the expense of human life and and all these other things that he touches on with this. Like I listened to a song like Facelift and <laughs> addresses that, like basically talking about how he compares kind of, he's talking about like, you know, like kind of, uh, it kind of dances back and forth between kind of talking about Hollywood imagery and how people are killing themselves to present a certain image of themselves. And at the same time, he's also likening it to how people are gutting through the ghettos of Chicago to try to build like their new vision of Chicago at the expense of human life. And, people that have lived here and displacing families in the, as a result of that. And he's like, what was, what was the closing line of it again? Something like, whatever uh, it is, I'm sure it's not going to remind us of Chicago nowadays at all. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, sadly it is. <laughs> it's a, a new Chicago with the old one left dwindling in between the machines tore a path straight through the ghetto. It's an ugly makeover. <laughs> and, and um, I don't know, just so many moments like that on this and stuff where he just, he, digs into the core of all this and like, or a song like fool's gold, where he's basically talking about like the nine to five schedule and working in a cubicle all day and how we, we have this vision of where, what we're going to achieve in life by playing along with someone else's rules and about how, like, no matter how you do that, like it's, it's kind of like a youthful idealism mixed with that, where they're saying, we're going to try to change the script. And I, 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 I can't help but like just love that they wanted to try to do that i know that obviously they're probably all working day jobs now and doing that like like the rest of us but like that kind of yeah. fiery I, youthful idealism within their music that's talking about these different topics and saying that like i, I want to try to fight this as long as i can and make the world a better place from within and just the way he's able to detail everything in such lurid detail where like you're like talking about the tobacco stain lips hide behind yellowed eyes and talking about people decomposing and like, you know, the state of like, uh, med Medicare in America, medical care for us and how unattainable it is for certain things and how there's a, we have a prescription being better than cure with our drug administration and how we, we have pharmaceutical companies and everything that go out there and they're able to pop out a pill, which isn't to say to disparage that because there's lots of good being done there too. But, um, it, it, it's kind of, him and a youthful in his 20s going out there and trying to address that like all these things basically end up in some way shape or form owning you 
Uh, even though you feel that you're gaming the system, the system is really gaming you. It's taking life out of you. It's sapping your resources, and you're 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 paying into the system to get something better. And you're going to be the one that's getting played. And uh, I I just I love everything about this record. I mean, I can't gush enough about it. So I'm, I'm going to stop rambling here and pass it over to you guys for wax uh, stupid anymore. <laughs> no, no, this is this is very good. Um, yeah, no, I, this, I, I'm, I don't have a lot of personal history with this record. I've, I've listened to the honor system in so far that, um, I remember somebody introducing them to me as, Oh yeah, this, this is a band that Tim from rise against was yeah, in. Actually, he started off with them. Um, and then I, I, I didn't really make it much further than that. And, and I've listened to single file in the past, but I haven't recently, but you're, your description of the, of the lyrical content of the record is just like, especially right now. Like I realized that like, it, you know, not, not obviously nothing has changed. Um, that, that is, that is the crux of what I'm about to say here, but like, it's, it's just so, so wild to have that, you know, laid bare before you, like we're, you know, I, I obviously don't want, I don't want to refer to like, what is happening right now politically as a moment, because it's definitely not a moment. It is a, it is a culmination of, uh, an absurd amount of time at this point. And, and, you know, that's not something that, you know, I think we need to dive into here because one that would take more time than a podcast on earth has. Um, (laughs) but like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's so, you would you would think that you know if I named any random punk record that came out in 2000 and said to you like oh yeah no this this uh, this record is going to be as relevant in 2020 as it is right now uh, you would probably think I was full of shit but like this record <laughs> just like going at it constantly yeah. like oh yeah no it's wow oh yeah oh. Oh yeah, no, we still got that too. Um, <laughs> wow, yeah. really thought the future was going to be a lot cooler than this. Where's our flying cars? Damn it! I, 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 and, and like, and that's that's not to that's not to say that this record wouldn't still be as good if things were like you know significantly better, um, because like the that the the visceral nature with which they describe the situation that they're taking, like, like you said, this macro look at is just like, so just like not, not on on the nose. Isn't the phrase I want to use, but just so like disparaging and accurate in a way that like, you know, a lot of bands of their ilk at the time weren't necessarily hitting on. And like, I, I feel like, you know, bands like rise against like, got towards there but like maybe didn't quite go all the way in some ways um and maybe that's why they became as popular as they are now um (laughs) this is not to disparage rise against i love rise against or at least did for a good long while um and like but yeah it is it is it is harrowing to listen to you talk about this record as a record that came out in 2000 and could just it could have been written today <laughs> it's, it's, it is absolutely <laughs> i uh it's very uh astonishing and disheartening to see how many records that 
were like political records that I listened to in the early 2000s are I feel even more relevant now than they ever did and like uh, I'm just gonna throw out uh, changes of sound uh, as an example I I'm like oh that's really weird that you know 20 years later I feel like this is even more relevant oh that's wonderful um, or like I never thought as a 32 year old I'd feel like oh yeah those guys in anti-flag they really know what's up back in 2002 yeah that's <laughs> that's real relevant now but it un- it is unfortunately but this record uh, Jeff actually uh, told me so so I can't remember what happened I think they I think Asian man screwed up my order somehow something happened and uh it was while I was in the record club and they couldn't get me one of the records or something like that. And so he was like, well, just pick a, pick any record from our catalog and I'll, sh- I'll ship it to you. And, uh, Jeff was like, Oh, you should get the, you should get this record. And, uh, and so I asked for it and they didn't have any copies. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I ended up getting instead. Uh, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't this. Um, but that's but that's a one I went and finally listened to it at least and um, I don't know that's four or five years five years ago probably yeah. as when I was living in Utah so yeah probably five years man that would have been extra applicable there you know it's getting a facelift everywhere <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna take your word for it I don't know much about what's going on <laughs> you're not right missing now. out on anything cool <laughs> good to know <laughs> And also, that was my bad on the Jordan. I, th- I think the the vinyl release of this was done on like Solidarity Records, which I think was it was like a one of by a dude that was like a mega fan of the band, and he popped it out. He also has this cool lyric insert that has a a quote from Chris McCoggan in it as well. Is that how you say his last name? That's how I've always said it, but I avoid saying his last name out loud so that I don't have to be the one who's wrong. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> going to assume that I'm I'm saying it incorrectly, but I'm like I'm sorry, Chris. If Chris Chris Mack. I'll just call him that. <laughs> but uh, what did he have? He had like some great word on it where he basically talked about Dan Hanaway making awesome Halloween costumes. He's like, he had the best Halloween costumes. And Rob Paint is the most handsome guy I know. And he also painted his room black once. That was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I, I think for me, I don't know, I guess the culmination of the last thing he says on here. So, so, so tell your buddy to get off his ass and get you a beer out of the fridge. And when he comes back, tell him to hit play on the record player and kick your feet up and relax. I mean, by purchasing this piece of historic vinyl, you certainly earned it from the man himself. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, while we're on pronunciations, uh, I don't know if it's Lemuria or if it's Lemuria, but I have always said Lemuria. And now I feel like one of us is wrong and both of us are confused. Whew, you still here? <laughs> I must applaud you. Should we ever meet in person, Dairy Queen is on me. You get a strawberry dip cone, chocolate dip cone, butterscotch dip cone if you're a weirdo. Um, if we ever make it out of this pandemic alive, uh, that, it's on me or something. And also thank you from the bottom of my heart and I'm sure everybody else's heart that is associated with this if you have toughed it out to this point. Uh, we thank you for joining us. And... Um, Hopefully, we'll be back soon with the, the next installment of uh, a top five regarding a record label, particular region, or particular sound. 
in sometime in the near future. And anyway, thanks and take care.